When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Wednesday morning, the 6th of January, Nulig Naman, Women's Little Christmas, or as they uniquely call it in Cork, or used to call it in Cork before it became unacceptable, in some houses at least, Little Women's Christmas. My mother always called it. Little Women's Christmas, the Christmas of the Little Women, but it's Nulig Naman to give it its correct title. It is Twelfth Night, of course, when the Christmas trees and the decorations and the lights are all supposed to come down. Or are they? The, we talk about that later on. There's, there's a move on now to leave some of our lights up to bring us through this dark lockdown period with a bit of joy and a bit of cheer. I'll get to that and we'll talk more about Nulig Naman and what you might do for it later on. As well. Good morning. 1850 the number. The text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 Your email opinion at 96fm.ie. There's that story in the news this morning. Record number of people with COVID 19 in Irish hospitals. That's not just a record this time. That's a record since we got our first case. Remember, we got our first case in the Republic of Ireland, 29th of February 2020. Well, this morning, 921 people are in our hospitals with COVID-19. The last time we had a record number was 881. That was in April, in the heart of the last lockdown, in the heart of the first crisis. So we are, I would say, dangerously close now to having a 1,000 people uh, in hospital with COVID-19 within a matter of days at the rate that are being hospitalised because one day there recently they hospitalised nearly 80 people. So if we do that again today, it'll go over the 1,000. And it comes, that news does, as we know now, there will be uh, an extended lockdown for the next six to seven weeks and there will be more provisions in that lockdown than have been previously. All the papers are full of it this morning. The Irish Sun tells us that the Cabinet subcommittee had a long briefing yesterday from Tully Holohan and have agreed tough new rules which will be formally announced after Cabinet today. The Indo says they'll be signing off on a severe lockdown. Irish Times says it'll be echoes of the first lockdown last spring and also the Times telling us that public patients could be moved into private hospitals if the public sector gets overwhelmed. That's in the Times as well this morning. And the examiner says there are record levels of the virus in many areas. Now, yesterday, in fact, here in Cork, 767 new cases last evening. 
uh, in, in Cork and the Cabinet sitting down to decide on a number of things like the schools closing, uh, building sites closing, click and collect gone. No more click and collect, it'll have to be delivery. And uh, the big question, of course, is what will happen with the Leaving Cert. The political editor of the Irish Examiner, uh, Daniel McConnell, joins me. Daniel, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Now, I've pretty much gone through four things there. Schools to close until the end of January. Although, uh, on prime time last night, uh, whatever minister was on, I can't remember his name now. Niall Collins, I think. Niall Collins, you're right. He dropped it. He dropped it like a hot potato that it could be seven weeks or six weeks and then tried to retract on it. Building sites closing except for essential work. What, what will they decide today, Daniel? So ultimately they'll formally decide, I suppose, essentially what they kind of agreed upon at that cabinet subcommittee yesterday. That that meeting was due to last for two hours. It went on for six and a half hours, ultimately. Uh, and, you know, I think the T-shirt going on radio yesterday was, you know, was an attempt, to, I suppose, to give clarity as early as possible. Like, we know that schools will close and they will close at least until the end of the month. Um, speaking to a number of ministers last night, you know, they were not optimistic at all uh, in terms of the opening yeah. at that point. I think, you know, I think realistically, given the way the numbers are likely to be at the end of the month, even with a kind of a, a pretty stringent lockdown, they're still going to be relatively high uh, and probably too high to allow a safe opening of schools. But again, given the fact that the government have put such a priority in getting schools open, they may change that position. But as of last night, certainly the, the mood was not great in relation to that. So you're probably looking maybe to six weeks as Niall Collins sort of maybe hinted in, his, in, mm. in a slip last night on television. Um, in terms of construction, you know, uh, again, they're saying that all but essential construction will stop as well. And that means obviously um, non-crucial home developments, large-scale commercial developments will all stop until the end of the month at least. Um, mm. There's still an ambiguity as to whether or not they will, I suppose, give an exemption for the National Children's Hospital, given the importance Do, do you know what will worry people this morning, Daniel, is I'm, I'm thinking of someone who's having some work done at the moment and are waiting on windows and have boards up where the windows are supposed to go. Like, can people get those kind of jobs finished? That's 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 a matter that really will have to be clarified. I mean, I, like you, you could argue that something that is nearly, 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 nearly finished, or kind of either, kind of you know, at the, at, you know, you're you're kind of like that. You you have a shell of a house there waiting to be waiting to be concluded. You could make a case that they should they should be able to conclude, but you know, they, I don't think that that sort of home fit or refit would fit under that essential or yeah. emergency work. So that like I know people, my, my own family, I've, I've family members who are in that boat themselves, and and they'd be really caught if that if if anything like that actually happened so um you know like these are not easy decisions without question but i think you know the, the line from government last night is that you know while sites themselves are you know safe and are operating safely it's the moving around it's the lads gathering for their lunch break you know probably not socially distancing properly it's going to the shops it's, it's moving around in terms of schools like you know it's gathering at the school gates you know which there have been long-standing concerns both from parents and from from teachers about the, the numbers gathering around school gates etc like that like so it's just about trying to just circuit this is you know the classic example of a circuit breaker they need to kind of break the rates of transmission yeah. and they only they really can only do that by people staying at home and staying off the streets and um see what Tom, Tom Parlin from the construction industry Federation out of the blocks very early this morning saying that's not fair. 
Yeah, and I can understand it. Like, it's a legitimate concern. I mean, I was one. I was a very powerful advocate and strong advocate for trying to keep as much of the economy open before Christmas. I, I supported the opening up of of uh, hospitality before Christmas because I felt you know that they had suffered unfairly in terms of the uh, yeah the, the decision making up until that point. But it's clear. I mean, the rates of transmission don't lie. Um, yeah. I don't think it's. I don't necessarily think it's hospitality's fault or anything like that. I think you know a number of factors have combined to to see this uh, strain kind of run out of control. And it's not just happening here. It's happening in the UK. It's happening elsewhere as well um, but I, I just think you know regrettably as it is and it really is regrettable because I think you know the devastating impact that another lockdown is going to have on people um, is, is severe but I, I just think we'd really until a vaccine kicks into place on, on a large scale we don't really have a choice Yeah Looking to um, retail and I presume restaurants as well click and collect is gone now that yeah. was a lifesaver for a lot of people why that? Again, I just think it's this really hard metric of stopping people from moving around and gathering around and, and um, you know, congregating in places where they shouldn't be congregating in. And um, so I think it's about staying at home. It's just about keeping as many people away from each other as much as possible. I think that's a very hard measure. That's an extreme measure by any stretch of the imagination because, as you rightly said, that click and collect was the lifeline that kept a lot of businesses, a lot of restaurants open, a lot of small shops and retailers that don't have the, I suppose, deep pockets that many of the multinationals may have. Um, so that's going to be a devastating blow. And I think if that if, if that matter is actually confirmed today, then I would like to see additional, I think a lot of people want to see additional supports for those sort of businesses because, you know, as I said, you know, that, you know, that, that click and collect would might, might see businesses kind of you know, limping along at 30% or 40% of their normal business. Uh, yes. And if that's taken away, then, then they're going to be in real, real trouble. Like, Where it brings a question to, Daniel, of course, is the, the, the simple things like, like the takeaway where you could just stand outside the door and then bring your dinner out to you in a bag. Is that gone? Are you going to have to be all getting into delivery? Now, that's another nuance of that. Yeah, um, my understanding of that was like literally that sort of idea of ringing up your local takeaway uh, or your local restaurant and saying I'll be down in ten minutes to collect the order. That will no longer be uh, will be allowed as as we were briefed last night. They may wow. nuance that. Now they may like a lot of these decisions have yet to be sort of be finally ticked off or agreed upon by cabinet. They, there may be nuances and, and there may be tweaks of, of what's proposed. Um, but that's my understanding as of last night. That would obviously force everybody into kind of like so we'll be we'll all become very friendly with our justice.ie or Deliveroo drivers, you know, over the, over the coming weeks if that's the case. Um, but but if even if like I think businesses will say, listen, you at least need to give them that. They at least need to be able to deliver, you know, some yeah. and operate on some basis because. I think a total shutdown would just be devastating across the board. And I think, in fairness to, to some elements of government, you know, they they have tried to give business and and they have listened to the business lobbies. They have listened to people kind of um, make make those cases. So I do think there's a there, there is an openness there to try and make some sort of arrangements. But the overall message has been this: we need to stop people moving around, gathering in large congregations, and particularly as well, you know, the one area that they have consistently said is is problematic is large gatherings of people where alcohol is involved. So you know, and and the problem and the difficulty here is, you know, with no pub open, with no restaurant open, you know, um, and a certain number of people, be they young people, be they you know people who are just simply not willing to follow the rules anymore because they're fatigued, are going to gather in people's houses where there's no regulation, no probably no element of social distancing or no control over what actually goes on, and that's the very real danger here um, when when you, when you close everything on all these control spaces. Come come back then to the schools though, because already. We were hearing calls for the leaving certs 
to be cancelled. Now, there's a couple of things going on there. First of all, I think the government, certainly the Taoiseach, is absolutely 100% determined that the Leaving Cert will go ahead. We haven't heard from the Minister for Education. We don't know where she stands at this stage. Also, of course, the orals are due to start in a couple of weeks and the mocks are due to start in a couple of weeks. So what is going to happen? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a bit like Groundhog Day last, uh, like last year, um, PJ, because you know, we it was around March when, when all these decisions around orals and all that kind of stuff had to be taken. Um, there is a very clear determination that the Leaving Cert will happen as normal this year. And I think the government will go out of its way to try and ensure that that happens. And they will only, I think, as a last resort, um, pull it. So I, unfortunately, I think for a lot of students, I think they need to operate on the basis that it, the, the exams will happen until they're told they don't. And that can obviously be very disconcerting as it was last year. Um, Norma Foley, in a briefing with opposition spokespeople on Monday night made it very clear you know she is adamant she thinks the schools are safe she thinks they should you know should get open as quickly as possible but there is I think you know the the unions have been very clear and repeatedly have have expressed concern around the exposure for their members particularly at second level where you know essentially you're, you've 30 young adults uh, rather than small kids who are who are less I suppose uh, prone to picking up the disease or spreading the disease in a classroom um, they, you know real concerns have been been expressed and I think now that the schools have been closed for a prolonged period it's going to be very difficult for a government to turn around and say listen at the end of January or whatever it is we now think it's safe for you to go back in even though the oral race is probably still above one even though case numbers are probably in the, the hundreds of several hundreds to almost a thousand a day that's going to be a very difficult argument for a government to make so that just makes it all the more harder to get schools back open and the, obviously the longer the schools are closed it has greater implications for the leaving cert and for a lesser extent the junior cert but uh, I mean I, I mean I'm, I'm the father of three small kids like the the, the, the news that cool schools are going to be closed until the end of the January is devastating you know myself and my missus are trying to work from home and, yeah. and trying to manage everything and we're in the boat that every, like hundreds of thousands of parents are in it's it's devastating news like but you know um, you know I suppose at the moment you know there was real no there was no real option but to do this yeah. but I would have real concerns about the ability of schools to get back open uh, as far as you can ascertain Daniel, is there cabinet unity here? You said that the subcommittee was supposed to meet for two and a half hours and met for six and a half. Is there cabinet unity here? Could we be looking at a long cabinet meeting before we get a decision? And by the way, will there be a will the, will the um, will Michal Martin take to the podium again this evening? There's a very real chance that he will. Again, given the fact, the fact that we are, I suppose, going into a like we're we're going into the very strictest elements of lockdown, I presume the temptation would be for him to address the nation. Um, but I, I think there is also a concern that if you do that sort of address far too often, it loses its impact and it loses yeah. its sort of credibility. But again, that 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 that'll be a decision that will kind of emerge in the next couple of hours. Um, whether there's cabinet unanimity or not, there's been rarely there's rarely been cabinet unanimity into the approach. I mean, there was very clear there was kind of. There, there are those winning cabinet, um, particularly on the economic side, who say, "Listen, we've got to give businesses a chance. We've got to mind the coffers here. Like, we can't just keep doting out all these, you know, supports for nothing." Um, but they all keep saying, "They all keep saying we need to be mindful of public health." We've, you know, for many months now, we've seen this tension between sort of adopting a strict public health approach as advocated by NEFET versus wider considerations, be they societal, economic, whatever else. Um, so I think, I think that's probably. You know, feeding into that the length of the conversation, um, okay. like there were nine ministers.
ministers at that meeting subcommittee. You know, so in effect, it was it was essentially a over cabinet half meeting. Cabinet. Over half yeah. the cabinet were there yesterday, uh, with, with along with the medics and stuff like that. Like, so I presume what you're likely to see today is a very detailed memo go to cabinet as to all the various restrictions, and all, each of those measures will either have to be kicked around, t- you know, the, the tires will have to be kicked in those, and you know, politically proofed, etc. Like that, because you know, um, when, when you're moving at such pace, and look, look, look at look at the level of changes that have happened in the last two or three weeks. Like the rules have changed at least three times now since December 18th. Um, so you know, there's always the temptation, or the, the there's always the risk that something may fall between the cracks. A measure might be mm. unnecessarily crude or, or unfair on a particular sector. So I think yeah. that. So I think it's quite inevitable that the cabinet meeting will be quite lengthy. Um, but mm. I would presume we will get either a press conference from the Taoiseach and other party leaders or we will get some sort of a State of the Nation address. Like, so either one or the others will, will happen at some stage this afternoon, I would think. OK, thanks for that for now, Daniel. Daniel McConnell, political editor from the Irish Examiner. So look, lockdown three, maybe even three and a bit, is coming in. Uh, once, twice, three times a lockdown was probably the best headline I heard yesterday on a British radio show. So as of today, they're going to close the schools until at least the end of January, although it could be into St. Valentine's Day. There were some whispers during the night about it being the, the midterm break before they could get back. Construction, anything other than essential construction, will probably close, effective immediately I would imagine. No more click and collect, whether it be Woody's or B&Q or your local Chinese. No more click and collect. It'll all be delivery only. And the Leaving Cert, they're insisting that the Leaving Cert will go ahead at this point. But look at the numbers. The numbers last night, just ridiculous. 767 cases in Cork. I was trying to think to myself, 760 cases. There was a time back in September into October when we were really worried seeing 767 cases a day nationally. When we got 760 or 800 cases a day nationally back in late September, early October, mid-October, we were really worried. Now we've got 767 cases yesterday in Cork City and County alone. And look at the hospital numbers from this morning. Again, 921 people in hospital up and down the country with COVID-19. And do you remember we were talking yesterday to the clinical lead from the CUH who told us that they now have twice as many people in hospital with COVID-19 at CUH as they had at the peak of the first crisis. So look, the numbers are there. The numbers don't lie. We're in serious trouble and serious moves need to be made. But what does it do? to young people? What does it mean for young people? They're supposed to start orals in a few weeks' time. They're supposed to start mocks in a few weeks' time. And already they're saying, look, hang on a second. Hang on a second. How can we face into the next couple of months? How can we plan for an exam that might or might not happen? What are they going to do? Catch up with some students next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must-have app. So you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app today. And listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts. And get all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, speaker. ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. Okay.
on your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. Turn up the volume. We are Corks 96 FM. This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Corks 96 FM. Remember, text or WhatsApp also at 083 396 might know and you might not know we do podcast this show every day it's available every afternoon mid-afternoon could be between two and three it goes up most days you'll find it first on our twitter and then it goes to the 96mm app or any other way you choose to get uh, your podcast you'll get the podcast of the show every day maybe two o'clock or slightly after it 1850 let's find out from some leaving cert students though what the situation is right now like it must be worrying when I think back to my old leaving cert days which are a long time ago now in January you're starting to get worried and if someone said to you oh it'll all be chaotic in the summer in Jan, you would have been worried let's not lie about it you would be Bernadette good morning to you hi good morning how are you great the news from the last 24 hours how, how do you feel about it um, well, personally, like, as a sixth year, I find the closure of schools like, very unsettling. But, like, you're obviously, like, necessary. Regarding the closure of uh, of uh, schools, we are stopping the spread of COVID instead of contributing, in my opinion, like, the, the increase of cases. But on the other hand, we are looking to lose around another month of school of in-class learning. And this is a massive amount, um, in addition to last year's um, four months of school, and that's nearly a quarter of our syllabus loss. And yeah. it's, and it's the time that has we have lost and other factors including stress and mental health and like the completion of courses like I feel like you know the to 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 get the courses finished in this small amount of time in, and also revision on top of that is absolutely absurd yeah. like and it's just it's very stress invoking for students around this country and like even my friends like I feel it's very like. A lot of anxiety does rise from it, like, and the uncertainty of it all, like, you know yourself. Yeah. Um, you, you want to be sure what's going on so you can make a, a proper plan. Like, when are the first um, of the orals uh, starting to happen, Bernadette, do you know? I think, I think they're in March, um, or they were, there was some talk about the orals being during the Easter break, um, yeah. or moving it before, I think. Um, but um, obviously we don't know now because loads of people say, are saying that the um, examiners, the oral examiners can't be in the same room as the students or um, because most of the examiners are of old age or at high risk or, you know, would be of that tier. Um, yeah. So yeah. there's obviously uncertainty around the orals as well and the orals being such a big percentage of the leaving cert, so like the um, Irish oral being like 40%, I think, and... Um, other um, like people who have music practical, fifty percent of their leaving yeah. to, like loads of people are depending on their oral. Like m- myself, um, I am a music student and I am more uh, practical. Like I like singing, so um, I would be depending on my practical yeah. for a big chunk of my music leaving. Search, you know, yeah, yeah. Wor- wor- worrying time and a-, a bit of certainty is what you need. Bernadette, thanks for that. Uh, Wayne, take line two there. Uh, Zach is also a leaving cert student. Hi, Zach. 
remote learning is what they'll say is the option. Now, you were off last year for, for several months. Does remote learning work, really? Um, I think remote learning is actually quite difficult because essentially you're just teaching yourself. Um, I found it very hard to understand a lot of the material myself last year when I was off. Yeah. And, and like remote learning, is that kind of like a Zoom class where the teacher's on the screen and you can ask them questions or, or does that work? Um, so last year we did a bit of a mix of options. So the school gave us school emails and we had uh, things like Microsoft Teams this year. They kind of send work over to us and then we also had a mix of Zoom classes with the teachers where they kind of showed us live in person and we could ask questions then as well. So it was a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, probably not the same as being in class and asking the teacher to spend time with you, is it? No, certainly not. Yeah. What about practicals and orals? Do you have some coming up? Um, we have no idea. We haven't been given dates. Um, usually they'd be coming up pretty soon in March or maybe even April, but we yeah, have no uh, idea. Sorry to cut across you. That's a, like you, you, we all know, for example, that the, the, the standard leaving cert timetable is, is pretty much the same every year. Would you normally have, by now, in the middle of January, would people normally know when the Irish orals are on, when the uh, practicals are, are coming in? Or, or is, are you totally in the dark about that? Yeah, um, usually we would have known, I'd say, before Christmas. So yeah. we have really no idea what's happening now or if they'll go ahead or when they are coming up. Do you think there's a, and been, been enough consultation with, with the students and, and their representatives? Um, I don't think students have been involved enough uh, at this point anyway. What way would you like to be involved? I think maybe even if they just listen to students about what we're going through and what students would like around the country. Um, yeah. I think it could be helpful in making a decision. Yeah. I made the point last year several times, and, and I'm very conscious of it myself. Like, my leaving cert was a long time ago. Most of the t decisions, Zach, I'm sure you'd agree, are being made by people whose leaving cert was a hell of a long time ago. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And, and you're not being consulted about it. All right, look, leave it there for now, and good luck with whatever happens. I mean, if it was to be cancelled... Would, would that be a good idea? Um, I think really students have just had enough at this point. I think especially from a mental health perspective, um, I think it might be an option for some students that, to just get calculated grades and be done with it. Yeah, okay. Some clarity, I think, is what everybody needs. Zach, thanks very much. 1850-715-996. wonder what regular listeners think about these people who don't have a leaving cert in the house I, I actually it kind of affects the whole family because when you have someone for leaving cert you have the whole family for leaving cert I remember when my daughter was doing it we all did the leaving and a lot of parents said that to me on the opinion line last year like we all did the leaving yes Jack or Mary or Susan or Tom were upstairs doing the studying and doing the essays and doing the hours but we all did the leaving because when the leave insert is in the house, it's actually it's a bit like having coronavirus in the house. It rips through the whole house. So it affects the whole family. So I'd like to know what, what parents think. Um, can you help your youngsters through this next few months? Um, are you equipped to help them through this next few months? Or Boris Johnson over in the UK has cancelled already, cancelled 
the, the GCSEs, which would be the juniors, and the A-levels, the, the leaving, they're gone. They're gone for this year. So is, should Norma Foley, wherever she is, uh, and Michal Martin make a decision now and say, look, just to hell with it. Just, just, just cancel the damn thing and we'll do continuous assessment and we'll do the predicted grades and we'll work it out somehow and take the pressure off people. Because remember last year, here's something else as well. They're closing the schools and they'll say, oh, end of January, middle of February. But if you remember when they closed the schools at the end of March last year, they also said that to be only until Easter Monday. And look what happened there. 1850-715-996. Yet, a lot of people still talking about what happened on primetime last night when Niall Collins was being interviewed. He was representing the government last night. He's a kind of a junior minister for whatever you have in yourself. And he did definitely drop it that schools could be closed for six weeks. And then he quickly tried to correct himself back to three. But he dropped it. He had dropped it. It could be six. It'll be at least three weeks and he's already hinting I think that they are looking at six which would be the the midterm break around around Valentine's Day already one Cork TD is calling for them to bite the bullet now and cancel the leaving cert Mick Barry good morning good morning to you PJ easy to call for Mick when you're not going to be in a position to actually do anything about it yourself well, I hope to use my doll position to kickstart a debate on this issue. Um, it is a very difficult situation for the class of 2021 now. Mm. They are the first uh, class, to my knowledge, in the entire history of the state now who've had their final exam cycle um, disrupted not once, uh, but twice. Yeah. disrupted when they were fifth years, disrupted when they're sixth years. And it doesn't really matter whether it's three weeks or six weeks, as you were speculating there. This is a serious disruption. Mm. And already we've seen in Scotland and Wales, and now in England, that the equivalent of the Leaving Cert exams uh, have been cancelled there. Uh, and with the government unable to give a guarantee to students that the closure uh, would not be followed by any more disruptions. I mean, we have the virus um, uh, more of a factor now among young people. Tony Holland spoke about this yesterday. Yeah, uh, I think the time has come for a serious discussion about cancelling uh, the Leaving Cert exams this year. Last year we saw the chaos that followed that decision with all the predicted grades and people being readjusted and that alone brought plenty angst for people there's no easy way out of this Mick No there's no easy way out of it uh, but there is a best way out of it um, and the best way out of it is to uh, increase the number of places in third level education to the point that uh, every Leaving Cert 2021 student who wishes to go to college next year can go to college next year. Now, that might sound like, um, you know, an idea that's not feasible or realistic. Are you saying without necessarily reaching a points level? Well, let's come to that in a second. The, 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 the first point I want to establish is... Um, I mean, you have approximately 60,000 students doing the Leaving Cert, right? Mm. Um, 
in 2019, there was more than 50,000 college places available, and that was increased significantly last year. Okay, mm. So the gap is not huge. Last year, the government had to scramble uh, and had to sort out the college situation in a very short period of time. Mm. If they were to make a decision now, they would have a decent run-in, you know, to say, okay, we're putting in place the investment, we're putting in place the arrangements, we're increasing the number of places, and every student who wants to go to college can go to college. And your issue then would be far simpler. Your issue then would merely be, okay, which college and which university, and who gets into which course. And that, that's an issue that can be resolved, in my opinion. It's, it's very rare, Mick, that, that a left-wing TD like your good self, or pretty much any TD in the country, but a left-wing TD like your good self would look to Boris Johnson and the Tories for political leadership here. But that seems to be what you're asking the government to do. I'll kick your hop on the ball now, PJ. No, Mick, I'm not. <laughs> It would be very rare for you to be endorsing that and Boris has done, to be fair. Uh, okay, well, I can react by saying that I think it's probably uh, the political pressure from ordinary people on the ground which have forced the political establishment in Britain uh, to take this step. And actually, Boris Johnson is, you know, he's behind the curve because the decision was taken in Scotland and Wales. Yes. Before it was before it was to be taken fair, in, it was. in England, and they're both left wing leaders. Yeah, and you know, leave the left and right aside for a moment. The, the, the key issue here is actually mental health. The, there's been uh, reports done recently uh, into the Leaving Cert because there's a review as to whether the Leaving Cert should be scrapped full stop. And one of the findings um, uh, that has emerged is that the, the level of mental health pressures on young people doing the Leaving Cert in an ordinary average year right, is far greater than the pressures felt by their peers in other European countries. Okay? Yeah. Add on top of that, you know, going through three lockdowns and now having your school year disrupted for a second year in a row, I think the concern has to be that the mental health pressures are approaching a point that is an unacceptably high level of pressure on young people. Okay. And this can when, be resolved. When are you going to get an opportunity to bring this up in the House? Because when need you back? The, uh, the doll resumes uh, next Wednesday. That's this day next week. Um, I'll see the agenda for the doll on Thursday evening or Friday. Uh, and we'll know then as to whether we have an opportunity to raise that next week. But if we have half an opportunity to do that, uh, we will do so. We want to see a real debate on this issue, and we want to see some quick decisions to give some certainty to the young people. Okay. See where it goes from here. Mick, uh, thank you very much, Mick Barry, uh, Solidarity TD for Cork North Central, who wants the government to come out now and cancel the leaving search just like Boris has cancelled the A-levels and the GCSEs and Nicola Sturgeon has cancelled all the exams in Scotland and the guy in Wales whose name I can never remember when I need it, he's also after cancelling all their exams over there. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. 
Thank you to the executive research desk who have reminded me again that Mark Drakeford is the Welsh First Minister. Lots of comments coming in on this one. I had a Leaving Cert student last year. It was horrendous trying to keep up the motivation for them to keep studying and keep ahead in the game was soul-destroying. It'll be worse this year. Last year, at least, it hit the track running and they were thrown into the emergency situation, so they were adapting from the start. This year, they've already been through a year of it now. Their motivation is wearing very thin. The government should provide certainty as soon as possible and do something to keep the motivation up. Kevin said there's nothing wrong with saying right now that we'll do continuous assessment, but to drop that on them, maybe in April or May, would be cruel. They've lost three or four months of face-to-face already, and there's no making that up. Uh, Lydia then points out that if they're closing the schools, let's do it the right way. Don't be putting parents under pressure to homeschool when it's just not possible. Use it like a holiday and make up the time by not having as much holidays or days off later in the year. We can't homeschool our kids. Bunch of stuff in on construction and click and collect, which I'll, I'll get to them all in the fullness of time. I promise I will. But we've had one call this morning from a doctor um, who rang 1850 to say the council have been doing nothing to grit or salt the roads in the housing estates and off the main roads, particularly out in rural areas. This doctor told us that 10 people rang in yesterday for suspected fractures. Two were in with actual fractures yesterday. And they could probably end up in the A&E to be checked over. So we're in the middle of a pandemic and we do not need people crowding up the EDs and we do not need them going to doctors with painful fractures. The services are run surely by educated people, engineers and all that who should know the impact of this in a pandemic. Where's the council? I mean, is this really pulling together? says the doctor. 1850-715-996. One of the things that they're going to set down as an exception, if you want, is the, the children of essential workers for, for creches, that creches and childcare will stay open for the children of essential workers. It sounds like a marvellous idea. It, it, look, it sounds like what they should have been doing last year, but let's not worry about that. But there's a problem, and there is a couple of problems. Eva Mitchell is the SIPTA representative for Childcare Early Years. Eva, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Thanks, William, for having me on. D- delighted. Now, keeping creches open for essential workers sounds fine in theory, but, and it's a big but. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose, yeah, there, there, there really is um, real and legitimate um, concern and fear out there um, amongst people working in the sector, I suppose, with the alarming number of cases that we're seeing. Um, so the sector is really calling for, for clarity around how to operate their services safely. Um, and in doing that, I suppose they're, they're really looking for detailed specification as to what an essential worker is. Because as it stands, I suppose the, the scope is very broad. Um, I think it's 18 sectors um, currently you know, come under the remit of, of essential, um, essential workers, which is like over 45% of the workforce. Yeah. Um, so that really needs to be narrowed down if it all, if it can be. Um, and I suppose what, what we really need the government to do is, is to call on parents um, where there is alternative um, arrangements available that children really do need to stay at home, um, unless obviously um, their parents are, 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 are working essentially or, or mm. you know, if children fall into that vulnerable category. Mm. It's a hard question, but maybe you could help me with it. Who would you class, who would your members class as essential workers? Um, well, I suppose it's a, probably the best people to ask would, um, you know, 
practitioners themselves, they, they would have that information available to them. They would know who, they would know their parents best and they would know the children best and they would know who would fall into that category. Um, and it's very different in every situation. Um, so I, I think you might be speaking to, to um, me now who'd be working in the sector. She'd be a provider and I think she'd be able to provide you with, okay. with um, a kind of a better answer around that. I'll do that. So, so what are you saying back to the government uh, in in the wake of the announcement we expect, or in the in waiting for the announcement that we expect later today? Yeah, well, we would have been party to um, a meeting of the COVID advisory group yesterday, um, and in that we obviously set out the concerns of our six thousand union members. Um, and so we would be calling on NEFA to review its advice for the earlier services, um, you know, to give them, I suppose, guidance around how they can operate their, their services, um, you know, safely. Um, because we, we know that we're in a really different space here, um, I think, in the, in the first um, two phases, we were kind of com- somewhat confident that children were less susceptible to the transmission of the, of the virus. However, with this variant, I think... And we are hearing claims that children are just as vulnerable. So, you know, we need, um, if if it is the case, we need um, practitioners to be advised, you know, whether or not they need to be, um, you know, putting in place um, better measures, um, I suppose, to protect themselves. All right, Eva, thank you and for I, that. Oh, and yeah. sorry, could, could I just say as well, um, we also are calling as well, because these workers are going to be in the front line, we are calling um, on the government to prioritise their years' education to ensure that they have priority access to vaccine and targeting, targeted testing, because, you know, they are on the front front line here, yeah. they're, they're at a direct risk. Yeah. Um, so there, really and that's another thing that, that you raise, and the, the ASTI and Piggott from the ASTI raised it here in the opinion line as early as Monday, where she said, you know, teachers are, are way way down the list of, of priority yeah. for, for vaccines and so are your staff and, and, and your members Eva thank you leave it there for today uh, Mina Murphy is from Kildinan Preschool Mina good morning good morning PJ thanks for having me on again happy to do so the, 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 the list of essential workers and I, I won't read it out in full now I'll do it later the list of essential workers is a very long list that's right. It's very exhaustive um, if you um, look at the list in such. And therefore, what we are asking for the government to do is to view this situation as a crisis situation. And uh, the fact that we as a provider should not be the ones making the priority who will be available, who the earlier care will be available and for who not. And that's yeah. why we want uh, government to take a leadership on this and uh, yeah. make the decision so that then the crown road, we can then say to parents that, look, unfortunately, you are not on the list. And also for yeah. the parents, it would be much better to make a decision that, OK, my professional um, is not on the list, so I need to make another arrangement for my child care. Yeah, because I can, I can see how a, a provider... Uh, could have a very difficult conversation next Monday or Tuesday morning with a parent who arrives and says, here, look, I'm on that list. Absolutely. And then uh, when we are talking about the health and safety of the staff and the children, we we need this guidance and kind of like a frame on where we can work from. Also, as we know that the numbers are so high at the moment, services, many services are impact of that too their staff is self-isolating because they might be positive or close contact. So the numbers are not that high there to make the ratios and offer the safe environment for the children. 
Yeah, 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 staffing could be a problem, couldn't it, for that very reason? Absolutely. And um, the situation might be different in a few weeks' time, for example, if the the staff that needed to self-isolate, they can come to the workplace again, and then we can review the situation, and we Mm. might have more staff to offer, and then maybe take from the list again another group of professionals. But at the Mm. moment, like I was saying, the government should look at this as a crisis situation and make the decisions according to that. Okay, and some of those decisions may be difficult decisions, but that's what we pay our leaders mm. to do. Mina, good morning and thank you. That's uh, Mina Murphy from Kildinan Preschool. I just have that list uh, to hand. Uh, thank you, guys. Agriculture, horticulture, forestry, fishing, animal welfare and related services essential workers, manufacturing essential workers, supply, repair and installation of machinery or equipment essential workers, electricity workers, gas, water, sewage waste management, construction workers, wholesale and retail workers, transport, storage and communication workers, accommodation and food workers information and communications workers, the likes of me financial and legal workers solicitors and bankers Professional, scientific and technical activities, lab techs and that kind of stuff. Rental and leasing activities, so in other words, property managers. Administrative and support, office workers, public administration, emergency services and defence. Human health and social work, education, community and voluntary service. That's practically everybody. That's a very, very long list of people deemed to be essential. Uh, so, effectively, any one of those people in any one of those sectors can turn up at a childcare facility next Monday morning or Tuesday morning and say, um, we're essential, uh, we, we need you to take the kids. 1850-715-996, Bill says, I don't often agree with Mick Barry, but this morning he's talking sense. The government has been scandalous in ignoring or delaying advice. Uh, on compliance, yeah, look, they'll announce this evening this new set of proposals and Will we have compliance? Will we have checkpoints? Will we have people actually sent home rather than, oh, I'm going to visit my mother, she's sick, grand so. Will we have that kind of carry on? Or what will we have? PJ, please tell me why there are no checkpoints there this morning. Uh, if they, they should be everywhere. That would stop people moving from Joan. Well, I think it'd, it'd be tomorrow morning it'll kick in, Joan, but I do take your point. What they're looking to get, or what I think they're looking to get anyway, is they're looking to get back to what the streets were like in the end of March, start of April, when they were deserted. Tumbleweed City at the end of March, start of April. That's what they're trying to get back to. And they're going to have a difficult job doing it. Now, Jim, once again, wants the off-licenses closed too. He said they have to shut. It's the only way we can stop house parties and get the drinking culture under control. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number to call. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Of course, the uh, hashtag is OL96. Follow us on Twitter at OpinionLine96 and the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. You can also message us there, but please do mark your messages 
for the attention of the opinion line. Remember as well, you can catch a podcast of this show every day. It's usually ready, usually up there about three o'clock, between two and three. The podcast of the show will be ready. That's the full show with all the ads and all the news bits and all that taken out. Just me talking out my backside for two hours and odd. And guests, of course, uh, that podcast up in the middle of the afternoon. And, of course, we do repeat as well uh, between 3 and 5 a.m. And if you're listening to that or listening to the podcast, the best way to contact us always is opinion at 96vm.ie. Just read out the list there uh, before the news of what's deemed to be essential. And it's a, it's a long list. It's a very long list. Farming workers, forestry workers, electrical, gas, water, sewage, repair, installation, manufacturing, construction, wholesale, retail, accommodation and food, financial and legal. Big long list. And Dr. Neve Lynch just tweeted us and highlights something that, actually, you know what? Yeah, she's right. Healthcare workers are number 15 on the list of 18 essential workers. Now, I wonder, is that by accident or by design? Do they consider farmers more important than healthcare workers? You you would wonder, would you? 1850-715-996. But just with regard to workers in general, during the last lockdown in March, April 2020, a lot of people came under pressure from their employers to keep coming to work. A lot of factories stayed open uh, their product wouldn't exactly be considered vital in any way, shape or form, but they stayed open. They deemed themselves to be essential. And then we heard a lot of talk back in the early part of the pandemic about people being forced to come into work, people being told if you need to isolate, and this is the particular one, if you need to isolate, if someone in your house gets COVID-19, then obviously the whole house has to isolate for 10 days to two weeks. A lot of people were told, unless you're positive yourself, you'll be taking that out of your, your annual leave. Now, surely that's illegal. And there were many other things like that. Richard Grogan's an employment lawyer. Richard, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very well, sir. T- take that one as the first example. And I heard countless incidences of it where someone gets COVID-19 and under the protocols the whole family has to isolate themselves for a certain period and workers were told well that comes out of your annual leave that is surely illegal uh, yeah it's absolutely illegal PJ absolutely now I'm a, I'm a solicitor in Dublin so what I would say to you is I'm talking to people down in Cork and I wish it was down in Cork and skip myself today but what I would say to you is uh, if somebody has been put in that position, go and talk to one of the really good employment solicitors that there are down in Cork and get some advice. That is illegal, cannot be done. Uh, that's an immediate claim to the Labour Court, uh, to the sorry, WRC. And by the way, that's not just for your holidays, that's for compensation on top. This is appalling. Mm. Well, I've heard countless incidences of it. A- another one... Richard- uh, by the way, I would say to you now, if that has happened, just so that you mm. know, people have... The, the, because the leave year finishes on the 31st of March, forget about what the company leave year is, they have six months from the 31st of March to put that claim in. So they can't put it in actually prior to the 31st of March, but that claim could go in after the 1st of April. They're, that is illegal. Can't be done. The other thing too is that 
uh, we hear a lot of, well, okay, you're isolating at home, that's fine. Um, we understand that situation, but can you provide us with a test? And, and if you can't, then you need to come back to work. If, you, if you're negative, you need to come back to work. Um, one is, the, if, you're, if you have to self-isolate, then you have to self-isolate. You cannot go into work. That's contrary to the Safety, Health and Welfare of Work Act. You cannot have somebody in who's supposed to be self-isolating. The issue comes into pay, uh, and without uh, a sick certificate, the employer is entitled to say, I'm not putting you into the company sick pay scheme, and I'm not paying you. And if they don't have a sick pay scheme, and we don't have a statutory sick pay scheme, they say we don't have to pay you. Hmm. So if you don't, if you test negative while you're self-isolating, what do you do for a wage? Um, well, that's where you have the problem because you're not uh, laid off, so you're not entitled to the pop, and you're you're not ill, so you're not entitled to the pandemic uh, illness benefit. So. The answer on it is, and I mean that this has been, t- and I'm uh, sorry, don't use the messenger on this, PJ. Uh, I just deal with the law. The answer on it is tough. That's, that's unfortunate. That's how bad it is. Yeah. That's the, well, that's that's not your attitude. That seems to be the attitude of the guidelines. Well, sorry, this is the this is the attitude of, you know, the government have not thought out this area at all for nine months. They've been flapping around, and they really don't understand the issues. Because the mandarins in the department, they're being paid. They don't have to worry about it. If they get, if they have to self-isolate, they still get paid. They're not dealing with the ordinary man and woman on the street who has a mortgage to pay has, uh, has, and has uh, food to buy and put on the table. Hmm. That's how bad it is. And, you know, we're employment lawyers. We see this every single day. We're, the, the, every employment lawyer is getting these calls coming in. What am I supposed to do? And that's from employers and employees. And it's yeah. heartbreaking when you have to turn around and say, look, we... we Sometimes we have to say we can't do that for you. Yeah. Another thing, and this is a very typical one, uh, particularly with schools now, with the schools closed. Yeah, but with the schools closed now, like what are people going to do when the schools are closed if they can't get their children minded? Or what if, what if the child has to isolate because the, the, their friend was a close contact or they were a close contact? This right, seems I to be with- a tremendous mess, Richard. All right, well, I'll deal with the, 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 ch- the child who has to self-isolate. One of the parents has to stay home. This is an issue that I raised back in September. And to be fair, Captain Murphy of the Social Democrats actually picked it up and raised it in the dial with the Taoiseach. And Michal Martin uh, turned around and, to her and he said, yes, this will, be rec- well, this will affect a small number of people and I'm going to look at it and I'm going to deal with it. Uh, that, was in, uh, that was in the start of October. Nothing. Nothing done. So there's, that's, that's a real problem. You take a parent now who next week has a child that they have to buy, they have to stay at home, they phone the employer... And they can't re- work remotely. Take that situation. The employer is going to be able to say, "Well, I don't have to pay you," and they're not going to be able to claim the pup. Um, they're going to be only able to claim the uh, unemployment benefit. Hmm. Not any fault of theirs. This is the government closed the schools down, and they're going to be in this position. It's 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 quite frightening, and there's going to be a lot of people who will not be able to get to work next week, who are going to be told you're not going to be paid. Now, by the way, that's not the employers being hard. A lot of the employers at the present time are right to the pin of their collar to keep the mm. businesses open. And by the middle of February, you are going to see a tsunami of redundancies and, and an avalanche of liquidations unless there's some real serious support put into businesses in the next, this week, that says... What, what kind of support do you mean, Richard? As in, if someone has to self-isolate and at the moment... The, the employer uh, doesn't have to pay them. 
then they're going to, you know, you, is it does there need to be wage support that an employer can actually dip into a government fund and pay people while they're out? Well, I mean, I, I, the UK had a, a furlough system where, you, where people got yeah. 75% of their, of their income to, to try and close this down. We're probably going to have to get into a self-isolation situation. You know, people are going to have to stay at home. We're going to have to have something like the UK. And it's not the EWSS or something else like that. This has to be, you furlough the staff for four weeks. Uh, there's, a, there's a stop on rent having to be paid. Stop on having to pay on to, to, the, to the banks. To the, you know, there's a... a, a uh, that's be done, and even the employers that they get, yeah, seventy-five percent of what you would have, of what your income would have been, you know, on your basically your two thousand and nineteen uh, tax returns. That has to be done because you have got to keep this com- company companies alive. Because if companies end up in what they have at the present time, they're just going to lay off staff, and an awful lot of people are not going to be going back to work by the end of February. Mm. Just, the businesses won't be there. Mm. I mean, if you, walk, if, sorry, if you walk around Cork, you know, or Dublin, or, or Limerick, or Galway, they're ghost towns Yeah, at the present yeah. time. And the business is there, from people who are selling clothes to even uh, coffee shops and the rest. They're all really in uh, the manure at the moment. And I'm sorry to say that, but I mean, uh, auctioneers have been telling me people aren't paying their rents. That's yeah. how bad this thing is. Yeah. Yeah, person ringing up, identifying themselves a, as a small business owner, and I mentioned at the very top of the conversation about people being forced to take leave, which is which is illegal. But yeah. but can you ask employees to take leave? You, you can. The difficulty with 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 the position on holidays, and it's really the twenty days or the four weeks. It's supposed to be for rest uh, for rest and to recharge the batteries. And somebody self-isolating uh, at home is hardly in the category of resting and recharging the batteries. So this is a health and safety issue. So you can ask, but my view is, uh, even if, uh, if an employee asked me, I would be saying no. That's mm. not part of your holidays. Um, I'll come to some other arrangement with you, but not part of your holidays because it's, it's, it's not a rest and relaxation period of time. Mm. The, the, the close contact... Uh, tracing system is, is, is throwing up problems too. Uh, unless you are officially deemed a close contact by the HSE or by the app, that can run, run, run you into problems. Not really. I mean, if somebody tells you, I mean, if you're sharing an apartment with somebody and yeah. they get COVID, um, you, you know, now unfortunately there's no testing that can be done because they're not testing the, the close contacts. And that causes problems because you phone the employer and says, I'm a close contact. Before this, you had something that said that you were a close contact that you could send to the employer. Now you don't. Mm. So they're now in a situation that the employer is saying, well, you say you're a close contact, but how do I know you're a close contact? Yeah. Now, once you say I'm a close contact, the employer says, well, you can't come in. And they say, well, can I get paid under the sick pay scheme? And the employer goes, well, actually, you haven't any evidence that you're a close contact. So you yeah. can't come in, but I'm not going to pay you under it because you don't have the evidence. You don't have the doctor cert. Yeah, it's 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 fraught with fraught with problems. Getting back again to the to the issue of leave and what happens to leave. Like if someone isn't working, uh, then they're not on leave if their job is closed or where they. they, 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 they. But I heard a lot last year about people in many industries being forced, not so much forced, but told you need to use up a certain proportion of your leave by a certain time. What's all that about? 
Yeah, the, there's a European case on this, which is called the Max Planck case, uh, which has set out that an employer is obliged to use their best efforts and due diligence to make sure that people take their statutory leave period within the, 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 the statutory leave year. So an employer is obliged to look to people to do that. Okay. A couple of questions, and I'm a bus driver for children with special needs. Do I have to go to work on Monday? Well, I think the answer on something like that is if you're called into work and you decide you're not going to work, you don't have to get paid. You're not going to get, you might not get paid. So, you know, the answer is if you're called into work, you're supposed to go into work. Right. What about a hotel bringing some of us in on a three-day week and telling us use up our holidays so we don't have any holidays left? Uh, the holidays is a, is, a, is a particular issue. The legislation doesn't say 20 days. It says four weeks. So the employer should be providing four weeks, full four full weeks, and that's from a Sunday to the following Saturday. So they, can, they shouldn't be saying take two days in the week as holiday pay. Okay. Now, a lot of people have been saying since the very start of this about the PUP, that, that eventually uh, they're going to be looking for tax back, particularly from they people will. who say we're up we're only earning 180 or 190 quid a week and have been drawing 350 for months. Revenue is going to be looking for that tax back. What if you haven't got it? Uh, then they'll come after you and they'll take it off wages or they'll take it out of your social welfare in due course. That's the stuff that's coming through next week. Wow. So they will actually come after this? Yeah, they will. They have to. Yeah, that's going to be hard lines for an awful lot of people. Before I let you go, Richard, just maybe, I guess, a couple of quick guidelines for people who are now facing into another lockdown. What are your what are your rights in dealing with your employer? What can your employer absolutely not do over the next four or five weeks? Look, what I'm going to say to you is, I think it's there's going to be a huge lot of issues that are coming up. Employers will be able to lay you off or put you on short time. They can do that. I think all I would say to somebody is, if you've got an issue, please, please phone a solicitor that you know. They might actually do employment law, but they'll know somebody who does. There are great solicitors down in Cork, know all of this area. Phone them, get on to them, ask them the question, and they'll refer you. If they can't deal with it themselves, they'll refer you to somebody who can do it, or they will have access to somebody who can get you the right advice. Don't go taking stuff for what I call barroom lawyers. Uh, Get to a solicitor because they're trained and they'll make sure that you get the right advice. And that's the most important thing. And if you're worried about something, whether you're an employer or an employee, get advice from a competent mm. lawyer. That's what I would say. And phone your lawyer, the one that you know, even if they only but the people who brought your house. They'll make sure that you get the right advice. That's what the legal profession is there for. Is there a scheme for someone, a version of the PUP or something, for someone who has to self-isolate for two weeks and can't go to work? Is there some ver- version of the PUP for them? Yeah, unemployment benefit. Is that all? That's all. But by the time you get that, sure, you could be got, it could be three months. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't make the law. I know, hey, Richard. I'm, I'm, I'm glad for, I'm, I'm glad of your expertise. It, it's, it's a bit depressing, but, I, but I'm very glad of it. <laughs> Sorry for being depressing. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank, thank you very I know much. I it is. Thank, thank, thank you. That's Richard Grogan, uh, employment, employment lawyer. But the one thing, and and it, it happened last year, and I know countless people who were told by their bosses. Well, if you're home for the next two weeks because your wife is positive, then I'm sorry, dude, that comes out to your holidays. That 
is illegal. Do not let them do that. They can't even attempt to do that to you. 185715996. Just some questions on actually the off license discussion. And look, this has been coming up all the time since the very, very start. Two contrasting opinions here. First of all, it was Joe, I think it was. Was it Joe? Joe, who said, let's just close the off-licenses, he said, if I can find it. Yes, Jim, there's a drinking culture in the country. The off-licenses have to shut. It's the only way we can stop the house parties and get this under control. Two completely contrasting answers. One of them, which is, and I hate to use the word, I don't mean any pun by it, very sobering. Get to them next, 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Takeover on Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. What we play. With Cork Dental Care, take the first step to smiling with confidence. See CorkDentalCare.com. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 9696. On Cork's 96FM. Okay, two answers that we got in or two comments we got in on off-licenses. Christine, I really think the off-licenses should be closed. In what way are they essential? Do they not contribute to the spread of the virus? Not through their operation in store, which is excellent to be fair, but through the parties, etc. Like, come on, look at all the pretty essential things that are actually closed. And that point was being made the last time out when you can't buy socks for your children but you can buy a bottle of wine in the same shop. That point raised many, many times. However, I can't go on air, but to those idiots calling for the off-licenses to shut, would they actually like to think what an alcoholic will do to his family if he or she can't get a drink? Nobody looks at the bigger picture just because it's not going on in their family. They don't cast a thought for the spouse and children of an alcoholic. If it's rosy in their world... Don't worry about the rest, non-educated fools. Don't like using the word fools, but I do take the point. And I do remember the first lockdown um, last year when we had a discussion and we'd callers on the air arguing the toss with regard to uh, the off-licenses. And a woman rang the executive research desk in tears, in floods of tears. And she said, please, 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 if they close the off-licenses, he will kill me and that was one of the most upsetting calls we ever took if they close the off licenses he will kill me so before you start glibly shutting wanting to shut the off licenses please think of those kind of calls on what richard grogan was saying two or three people pointing out now that there is and we'll double check this and triple check it there is a scheme now 
for people self-isolating. Call us as a work in a doctor's surgery. I think that solicitor you had on there doesn't seem to know about the enhanced COVID payment benefit. It is a COVID payment for people who are advised to isolate because of a close contact. It must be certified by a doctor. And the surgery said we do the paperwork here. So that's good. That's good. 1850-715-996. Some pictures in the Echo today of illegal dumping. Ridiculous levels of illegal dumping. Just callous and stupid levels of illegal dumping. Like a, like a dining table abandoned in the middle of a housing estate. It's gone mad in parts of the city. Councillor John Maher, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are things? Good. John, you've been on the litter thing since you were elected to council and indeed fair play to you even, even before it but some of the pictures and some of the examples in today's echo are just ridiculous yeah yeah it has been um i suppose pj just just been being out and about um over over many weekends though and it, it, it was put to me that maybe it was just because of christmas and things like that and it hasn't been the issue no has been ongoing for quite some time um and it's getting what it seems to be is that it's getting worse um and it's destroying places um, you know, and it's across everywhere. I was asked, is it a certain spot, a certain area? And it's not. I think everybody now can say that we were, were affected with illegal dumping, um, whether you're in kind of rural parts of, of, of Cork City or even in the, in the urban parts. Like, everybody has a story um, of, of, a, of an issue. And you see here by the complaints and the representations that come in um, every week, illegal dumping is up there with, the, you know, behind... We say housing and then illegal. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dumping. Mm. Um, mm. So it is, it's something that, and there's no... Um, anything could be dumped you know it's not just a bag of rubbish it could be anything from up to household goods which is frustrating when you see fridges and, and things like that on the side of a road because I mean we do have the, C- the civic community site out, yeah. in, out in the Kintale Road that takes it for free last night I was out for my run Christmas trees like mm. I mean we, we have places where you can dispose of your Christmas tree for free um, and my where these trees were 
you needed a, you needed a vehicle to get it there. I don't, you know, it was they were fairly in kind of off the beaten track. So if you drove that far, I think why don't you drive the extra bit and drop it off at one of the designated spots? Excellent point, John. In terms of something that comes in every time we have this discussion about illegal dumping, I, I, I get calls and tweets saying pretty much the same thing. If the council was doing public collections for free, we wouldn't have this problem. This came from privatisation. Do you accept that? Yeah. Um, oh, uh, yeah, PJ, I suppose. Look, on that one, uh, actually, Councillor Ted Tynan had a motion in at the last council meeting that we met in, uh, in person. Um, and I know that there was a wording issue with it. Um, about exploring the idea again, and it was agreed that um, that the motion would go away, I suppose, to be kind of perfected on the wording, and that mm. it's something that Cork City Council would explore. Um, but I suppose, PJ, like that's, I suppose we can only deal with the here and now. Mm. Um, and to be quite honest with you, when I see bags of food, and when I say food, I mean food that's ready to eat, you know, that you do a week shopping thrown outside on a, on, a, on a country road. I have an issue with that, regardless yeah. of, regardless of um, I suppose, regardless of, of the, the mechanism of how you pay. I mean, you, you know, this, the immunity sites, um, if you do, you know, if we are struggling, like three euro will allow you to recycle some things, you know. Now, I know that's the not going to get with your general waste, but even, even if, you know, that, that people were struggling, that, you know, you could segregate your cardboard, that could be done for free. Like, the glass bottles are in, you know, you can dispose of them in more, you know, in most communities now there's a couple of sites. So while I do accept that some people have a payment issue, and, that's, and that needs to be addressed, I don't understand for bags out in very remote areas, which means that somebody drove out there yeah. and threw them across. And, like, I mean, we are, like, to be fair to council... When Cork City Council staff are notified, they're out at it straight away. Like, I couldn't, once they know of an issue, they're out there. We, we, are, we also have the Tidy Towns um, groupings. And we have just ordinary people, too, in communities who just put on a high and get a pickers. You yeah. know, and it's just so destroying. They're doing that work because there's a sense of pride there. Um, and then you see all this being done. And I suppose if it was, if it was only a one-off thing, you'd say, fair enough. But it just seems now at this stage is that it's time and time again. And um, I suppose when, when I was asked about it, like you'd see in my post, I don't put up an area anymore because I just found that antagonised and probably promoted people to, to repeat the, the offence. So but you just Sh- Sh- John, the, the situation is if you, if you point out one area, it's everywhere now. I, oh, I, I live, I live yeah, out I'm, here in Douglas and... and Five minutes drive from my house, I, I could point out where people are chucking bags of waste over the over the ditch. Yeah, and 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 that's it, PJ. It is everywhere. And I suppose, look, I suppose from I suppose from 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 your listeners' side, that anybody that does see it and is concerned about it, there is a free phone number uh, for Cork City Council. Um, it's eighteen hundred two eight three zero three four. Um, and from our side, as elected representatives, there is a bylaw. Um, that's been enacted since uh, since May of 2019, um, mm. where where P- Cork City Council officials can knock at your door and ask you how you're disposing of your rubbish, and if you can't prove it, then there's a fine system there. And I, I, I suppose COVID has COVID has stopped a lot of us in our tracks and all that, 
But at this stage, where, where it comes frustrating for, for me, and I'm sure many other elected representatives and intern community groups, is that we get so many representations asking for, you know, uh, traffic calming measures, you know, cutting the grass, fixing the trees, footpath renewals. And when you look at the money we're spending on picking, you know, collecting waste that we shouldn't be doing, it, it's, it's wasting a resource that we could be putting into the communities in other ways. Um, so yeah. I suppose that's where the frustration for me lies, is that I, 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 I have to tell communities so many times, oh, we don't have the funding for that. And then when you look at where the funding's going, um, no, not all of it, by the way, but there's, there's a large amount of it that could be better spent. Yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a waste of public money to be having to send them out to, to clean up ditches yeah. and clean up gateways. Yeah, yeah. all right. And, and, Leave and, it and, for and, now. At the, and at the same point, then, as though we have to clean it up because yeah. if you see the work that individual uh, or like uh, tidy town groups or just individuals are doing, like you know, it's it, you have to complement it, and we have to we have to work with them because they're doing they're doing a, a fine job and um, but I suppose it's just about the awareness like uh, we do have you know we do have the civic community site it does take electrical goods for free um, you know and, and then you if you segregate your waste and cardboard and, and, and the various stuff it's a smaller price albeit um, some people may not have transport but where the spots where the illegal dumping is happening you need to drive to these places you are not That's going true. for a walk um, <laughs> certainly not with a certainly not with a fridge on your back. Not with a fridge, absolutely. And if you are a fair play to you, you know you, you're you're a better man than I am. But uh, but no, I, I, and I just think I, I just think that and 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 in the city areas in particular, um, reports are coming into me is that you know it's a regular offenders and people you know they're a bit they don't want to be seen as the the person to to um, I suppose to be you know to tell the tale. But that's mm. then where the officials definitely need to come out and and use the bylaw. Um, and at this stage, I would think it is essential because we see it, and I think everybody sees it week in, week out, um, the amount of you know areas that are being, and they are being destroyed. And now, more than ever, when we need to stay within 2Ks or, well, 5Ks at the moment, we don't know if that's going to change or not, then we've definitely, uh, we've got a better appreciation for our public spaces. Okay. And we need, right, to, we need to find these. So, so I just think that's, uh, that's what we need to do. All right, John, I'll leave it there. Thanks very much. Councillor John Maher of the Labour Party on illegal dumping. And, it's a, and there's some photographs in the Echo. There's one in particular from Bally Collie Road. Uh, just, it's just disgusting. And, and the point he's making is surely a valid one. If you want to dump a fridge or an old cooker or an old television or something, like, you'll put it into the back of the car. Why would you go out the road and horse it into a ditch or, or uh, leave it by a convenient uh, break in the in the in the in the hedge. Why would you do that when they'll take it off you uh, for free uh, down at the at the uh, the Kinsale Road site? And, and as well as that, like for twenty quid, you'd be amazed the stuff that you can put down the chute out there. Twenty quid for a carload. Like it's not outrageously expensive to just put the stuff into the car in bin bags and take it to the dump. Why would you? Why would you do that? I don't know. I just can't get my head around it at all. Lots of stuff still coming in on the off-licenses. These people saying to close off-licenses, they've never clearly seen a person trying to withdraw from alcohol, the sickness, the seizures. Are they looking for more hospital admissions? And for the person with the addiction, what if they live alone? They could be of serious harm to themselves. I've said since day one, I don't have any truck with this notion of closing the off-licenses because... 
you'd cause more problems than you'd solve. And Michael Gearin uh, has said that on the opinion line. You'd cause more problems than you solve. Maeve is asking a question, again, a valid one, because take us back to March, April last year, this happened. Why aren't the playgrounds closed? Everyone's arranging to meet up at the playgrounds. And, and yes, more people are wearing masks. They're not wearing them properly. Like, you wouldn't use toilet paper that way. <laughs> and you wouldn't use it again. So why are so many people using disposable masks many, many times and just whipping them out of the pocket or out of the back of the phone and, and think that's okay? Yeah, if you have a cloth mask, you can use it for the day. But if you've got an old disposable mask and you're whipping it out of the pants pocket every so often, you're not really playing the game, are you, here? 1850 on rubbish Rachel says my collector whom I pay for wasn't going to even take my extra clear bags recycling the other day I had to go out and ask them to take it everyone has an extra bit after Christmas it's disappointing even from paid collection companies not willing to accept an extra bag at certain times our other neighbours extra bags were left there as they if they didn't go out and ask shame on them it's not helping the situation Rachel you're right you're right if, if you're paying for a, a service and your bag is full, and you have an extra bag, or your bin is full, and you have an extra bag or two going down next to it. I, I don't see any good, solid reason why not to just fling that into the hopper with the rest of the junk. Nice one. 1850 Quick mention from Antoinette, and this is a, a terrible tragedy uh, that happened in Cove. Uh, a terrible house fire over the, the weekend. Uh, Antoinette was on, I know she's helping the family. She said a huge thank you to the people of Cove and surround for their extremely generous help to the Talon family. Their, their home was destroyed by a house fire at the weekend. Uh, €30,000 raised in less than 24 hours. That's fantastic and great work from you, Internet, in promoting the heck out of it and, and asking us to get involved. And, of course, we were happy to do that and, and help us to share it. Uh, but our thoughts with the Talon family, and I, I have a connection, shall we say, that I know someone who knows someone who knows someone kind of thing. They are devastated. All they've left... Literally, all they've left is the shorts that were on their backs. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. Irish electronic artist Alex Goff is set to play two shows at the Kino on Washington Street on Saturday, February 27th. Tickets can be purchased based on a table of two to five people, with the early show taking place at 7.30 and a later show at 10pm. Access all areas. Following sellout shows for the last four years, Rebecca O'Connor is set to return to Cork Opera House with her show-stopping band and dancers to once again deliver her flawless renditions of Tina Turner's greatest hits. The show is scheduled for Friday, May 7th, with tickets on sale now from the venue's website. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show coming up in 2021 or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. A lot of discussion 
uh, on the comments section of the opinion line on uh, off licenses and whether or not they should be opened or closed. The simple fact of the matter is they are going to be allowed to stay open. Now, could you cut their hours back? You could, but they're going to be allowed to, to stay open. Uh, and and that that's just that. But the discussion is interesting. I'll bring more t- uh, comments in a while. Just something that will be making national news. I know it will, and it'll be in the papers. Um, Dr. Gabriel Scali, of whom you will have heard. Now, most people would associate him with uh, cervical check and all of that. But Dr. Gabriel Scali uh, is a public health um, a public health expert. He's a professor of public health uh, based, I think, in Bristol, but doesn't matter actually. He's a professor of, of public health and he has said this morning that Ireland and the UK have been woeful, they're his words, woeful in preventing COVID-19 from reaching these islands. He's talking in terms of borders, he's talking in terms of the airlines, the ports, everything. He says, and bearing in mind again, he is a professor of public health and one of the most respected in his field in that regard. Ireland and the UK have been woeful in preventing COVID-19 from reaching these islands. That was going to make some headlines. 1850 I mentioned at the very top of the opinion line this morning that this is Nullig Naman Women's Little Christmas or as they quite charmingly called it in Cork, and in Cork we always have our own way of describing things, Little Women's Christmas. And don't try and tell me it doesn't happen anymore. They do. Little Women's Christmas. <laughs> always it was in Cork. It's tonight. It's the 6th of January. And it would always have been a party night. It would always have been a night when DJs and karaoke's and bands and one-pieces with guitars would have been absolutely slammed busy. It was a night that I worked for donkey's years, and Fergal worked for donkey's years as DJs and doing karaoke and all that. It was a great night, and everyone... And it was, there was women went out on Nullignaman that never went out any other night of the year. And there was, like, there was generations went out. I remember the last time I played a Nullignaman, it was only a couple of, couple of years ago now, I was doing a big disco karaoke night for, down in a, in a pub in the country. And there was, like, there was, there was a woman there, she was 97. She was, she was a great-grandmother. There was a great-grandmother, grandmother, mother, daughter... And and the baby, like it was just massive, and that was and it was great night and great crack. But unfortunately, this year it can't happen. It's not able to happen this year. But they will get together and they will do stuff. Maybe on Zoom could be a case of Netflix and Zoom tonight, and a bit of prosecco and wine on on Zoom tonight. So, so what will they be watching? Denise Corton is digital editor of Stellar Magazine. Hi, Denise. Hi, how are things? Good, good. We, we can't have the usual fun and games for tonight. So Netflix will be the go-to for a lot of people. Now, I haven't seen this yet. It's on my to-do. It's been described to me as Downton Abbey with a lot of sex. Bridgerton. It's huge, <laughs> isn't it? It's a great way of describing it. Yes, it's absolutely massive. You've probably seen all over Twitter. It's, it's, the, it's the hot topic at the moment. It's what absolutely everyone is talking about. And it's it's provided a fantastic release for a lot of people, you know, who can't, like you were saying, go out and have fun and party. You can kind of watch the magic unfold on TV. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely fantastic. We have uh, eight episodes of it now in season one, and they're all out um, following Daphne Bridgerton, the eldest daughter of the powerful Bridgerton family, as she makes her debut, you could say, into a yeah. London's elite and competitive marriage market. It, it's it's a kind of a thing that I made the Downton Abbey reference because that was part of Downton Abbey as well. All the young women sort of came out in public, and another great 
show as well I watched was Mr. Selfridge. All the young women used to come out in public, be introduced, if you like, into into what the the dating game. But like this takes it to a whole new level because there's a lot of nude bodies in this. There is, yeah. You could say there's a few elements of Fifty Shades thrown in <laughs> in the mix of it all. Uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic. It really, really is. You know, the the storyline is just it, it's captivating because it kind of brings you back to you know an era that none of us got to experience, and you mm. get to kind of see how you could reimagine it for nowadays. So there's a lot of pop music in it that's remixed into kind of a classical theme, and you know all those different elements as well as the costumes that are done by yeah. the same costume designer who did Cinderella in 1977 it's just right. fantastic it's really really great Typ- typical of, of Netflix and, and as I said all I've watched is the trailer but it is beautifully and lavishly made like they don't spare the horses when they're producing something oh they absolutely don't you know they really they go all out and I think they do so because they hope that people engage with it and love it and then they can continue it on and make more and more seasons, which is uh, something that looks set for Bridgerton because it follows the the books that are by Julia Quinn. She has eight books to follow the eight Bridgerton uh, children and we have one of them done so far. So we're hoping that with the other seven seasons, potentially it will follow the other Bridgerton siblings. Excellent. Now, another one, season three of, and I'm watching this with my son, and we love it, and, and I went back afterwards, and he's, I, we, we got out the old Karate Kid movies to watch as well over the Christmas, so I could introduce him to Mr. Miyagi, one of the best characters, like, in the history of movies. I, I loved But Cobra Kai is the spin-off series. Could, could have been a terrible flop. Actually, it's quite brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it is, you know, and I think it, it's re-examining the Crash Kid 34 years later. We're looking at it, again, from the narrative of Johnny Lawrence and as he reopens Cobra Kai martial arts, rekindling that old rivalry with Daniel LaRusso. But I think what makes it so good, simply because it just has that nostalgia factor, like you were saying, you know, re-watching it with your son and stuff like that, it brings people back to a time. And by doing so, it just makes for really good TV. Do you know what it's missing though? It's it's missing either a very elderly Miyagi or, or something. You, you know, I know he didn't have it. He didn't have any kids. His wife and child had died. That was the whole Mr. Miyagi story. But it, it it's missing a Miyagi. That's the only thing it's missing is an actual Miyagi. Yeah. Now you never know. You know, an element like that could be brought in because it is going to be coming back potentially for a fourth season. Really? And for people, yeah, and for people that love the show, uh, a couple of the showrunners did an interview there recently and they said that it won't end anytime soon. So we can expect it to continue on for another couple of seasons. And like you were saying, it's charting, you know, on Netflix at the moment. People do love it. So with people loving a show, it continues the show's longevity. So Yeah, it it is brilliant. And again, for anyone who hasn't watched it, if you remember The Karate Kid, I I don't mind telling you, uh, Denise, over the Christmas, I said I I dug out the old Karate Kid movies with my son and I watched Miyagi and I had a tear in my eye. He was Aww. such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful character. Pat Morita played him so well back in the day. But anyway, we move on. That's season, three seasons of it there now, well worth a watch. And it's not overly violent, in case you're worried. It's, it's not overly violent. Now, um, moving from Netflix to Amazon. Amazon dumped, and I know this because I bought a new telly before Christmas with Amazon pre-built into it. So they've dumped a ton of new content, haven't they? Yeah, they're fantastic for, you know, updating their service quite often between, you know, classics that we love, like bringing back, you know, old comedies and so on and so forth, as well as 
new content to the streaming service too. They're fantastic for kind of giving you a good mix. Like I was even looking at it last night and they've got, you know, classics like Devil Wears Prada and stuff like that on it, which, you know, you might not have watched in the past five, six, seven years. So they're, they're a great one to watch as well now, you know, as you're in level five and you're kind of like, oh, I'd love some feel-good TV. It's, you know, they've got fantastic bits like that. Aside mm. from that, then they kind of update the service every week if new episodes are dropping. They try and keep on top of things like that. One of their big mm. ones is This Is Us, which I'm sure many people are familiar with. It's It's yeah. been out for a couple of years now, but they're up to date with the NBC releases. So now every Thursday, they're going to be releasing a brand new episode of This Is Us. And they're on season five at the moment. And it just follows the Pearson family throughout their life, how they cope and adapt to certain situations. And yeah, it's one of my favorite shows at the moment. I'm absolutely addicted to watching it. And the whole lot of Grey's Anatomy is in there and, and Bosch. I love Bosch. It's just really so good. There's some really, really good stuff on Amazon. Just before I let you go, Denise, you, of course, are, are a Corkonian. Um, yes. Women's Christmas, was that a thing? In your, I, I've always said Women's Christmas seems to be uniquely celebrated in Cork. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, I'm trying to think myself, have I gone out for Women's Christmas? I suppose I have. I know I've been out for it before and not realised it was Women's Christmas until I was out, so am I the best ambassador for it? Probably not. But um, <laughs> any excuse to go out, I would have been absolutely on board with that. <laughs> Yeah, it used to be a, it used to be a huge night out and multi generational, as I was saying there before I brought you in. Like they, great granny, if she was up and walking, and even not, they bring the wheelchair out. Like it was a great yeah. night. <laughs> it was a brilliant night. Well, what will you do for it tonight? Will you will you watch a bit of Netflix or will you try to drop a prosecco or what will you do? Yeah, oh, I'll definitely definitely watch some Netflix. Um, that's definitely going to be the plan. Maybe get a takeaway if I'm if I'm also inclined. That could also potentially happen. Yes. All right, Denise. Well, enjoy it, whatever you do with it. Thanks very much. That's Denise Corton, digital editor of Stellar Magazine. Another one I would advise... It's, it's gone off the services. I think you can buy it through Netflix. It'll cost you a couple of bob per season to buy it through... Sorry, through Sky Store. And I mentioned it there. Mr. Selfridge, the, the wife sort of uh, inveigled me into watching Mr. Selfridge last year. Uh, she'd been watching it for a while. And it's brilliant. It's just fabulous. You'll really love uh, Mr. Selfridge if you're into that kind of thing. So plenty to be watching on Netflix, Amazon, and any other system you care to mention. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Did he say minus one? Wow. Lovely out there though, but very, very, very cold. I had to go out the domestic bliss of it. I had to go out and feed the cat during that. Yes, we are in Studio 1.5 at the moment, so I had to go out and feed the cat. Otherwise, she'd be shouting in the door at me for her breakfast. Uh, so I had to do that during the news. <laughs> 1850 715 996 is the number. The text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. The email opinion at 96fm.ie. Uh, Twitter is at opinion996. Hashtag is OL96. And you can message us through Facebook, the Corks 96FM. Facebook page. Remember as well the podcast of the show is available to you every afternoon between 2 and 3. I wouldn't put an exact nailed down time on it but between 2 and 3. Watch your Twitter feed. If you follow us on Twitter, that's where you'll get it first. Uh, And then it goes up onto the app or any other platform that you choose. Uh, But the podcast of the show usually there between 2 and 3 in the afternoon. And remember as well the overnight repeat show between 3 and 5 just a two hour summary if you like of what we've been doing here 
If you're listening to either of those, either our podcast or uh, our overnight repeat show, the best way to get to us is opinion at 96fm.ie. Still comments coming in with regard to off-licenses. Um, and, and I don't know wh- where we go with this. People will always be calling, it seems, for the off-licenses to be shut. It's not going to happen. And people who are genuinely expert in the area of drink and, and that sort of thing will tell you, Michael Guerin being one prime example, it would probably cause more problems than it solved. Bernie says not only are they not essential, not only do parties continue to the spread, but the rest of us are all suffering from rowdy parties, bad antisocial behaviour. Do you realise you can't even buy a pyjamas for someone sick in bed without going through something like a click and collect, and even that's gone now? What about the mental health the people suffering from parties in the neighbourhood, in the house next door? Aren't all these people being careless? And wasn't it socialisation put us in this mess? I'm sorry, but it's not our responsibility that people are alcoholic. We're suffering from lockdown in very real ways. Alcoholics should get help, and now is the ideal time for their sake and for ours. Just to also wish PJ a happy new year. Many happy returns uh, to you indeed, uh, Bernie. Yeah, you, you, th- there's a point to what you make. People need help, but I will bring you back. I will bring you back to the phone call we got. Never got to air, obviously. But back to the phone call that we got back in the very early days, Bernie, of the very first lockdown when this kind of discussion was going on in the programme. The woman who was in tears, in floods of tears, and she was talking to them on the desk, and she said, if they close the off-licences, he will kill me so I will never forget those words he will kill me so there's a balance there Bernie but thank you and happy new year 1857 I spoke to this young man uh, last year uh, before he was heading off on a very very big adventure uh, Danny Gibson it's 6 o'clock in the morning wherever you are good morning good morning how are you Good. what part of the states are you in New York New York. So you headed off on a soccer scholarship. Remind me again. Yeah, so in August, I headed off to New York. Um, I went to Albany on a soccer scholarship. Um, I got accepted to college mid-2020, um, but moving away, it was, it was big. It was a big move. Oh, yeah. So you were going to do college and be a professional soccer player through it. That, that was the plan. That, that's the current plan now, yes. Hmm. So how has that worked out for you? Um, well, for now, when we had our, we just finished up our first semester, um, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the best because of COVID. COVID ruins everything, as everyone knows. Um, yeah. We didn't have a season. We practiced for like three weeks and then we couldn't practice anymore. Um, we had no games, nothing, so it was it was tough. It was really hard. Yeah, yeah. So, did lessons continue? Yeah, we had. So we had classes. Um, they were mostly online, um, and that that's even harder again because trying to concentrate with online classes and with COVID going on, it's it's kind of hard to concentrate. Mm. And one other thing as well, of course, you couldn't get home for Christmas. Had you planned to? Had you been hoping to? Yeah, so when I first came out, I had my return flight booked for like the 12th of December 
to try to get home a bit early. Um, and it came to the December, and there was no like if I went home, there was I I wouldn't have been able to come back. So yeah, not being able to go home for Christmas, it was it was a hard one. It was really. How hard. did you spend the Christmas? Um, so my mom's two sisters are out here. My aunties, um, they live like two hours from Albany. So I came to them for Christmas. I was mm-hmm. well, I came for Thanksgiving. I stayed for Thanksgiving, and then I stayed here throughout Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you travelled there with a friend of yours, but he has chosen to come back. Yeah, so he he went back for Christmas, um, but he went back early. He went back in November. Um, mm. But the thing is, he didn't know if he was able to come back or not. So he's chosen to come back, but he's planning on flying on the 20th of January. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure with all the COVID rules back home, I'm not sure how that works out. Being told now that you have to show um, a negative result seventy two hours before you fly. That's so to get in here now. In, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's just looking into all that to see what way that goes. I didn't yeah. go home because I didn't know if I was able to come back, but yeah. I was. I took the risk. I I wanted to stay. Um, yeah, you not going you, you, you clearly it. love it and you desperately want to do it, Danny. Exactly. Like I'm. I'm not going to let. Like if I have to miss one Christmas away from home to get something that I really want I'm I'm going to miss one Christmas it's not the end of yeah. the world it's something I want so it's something I need to do yeah yeah what's life like I mean are you back in in Albany now or are you with your aunties or where are you no I'm I'm currently with my aunties I'm heading back to Albany on the 10th mm. so I'll be here for another couple of days and are you living alone there then no so I'm with so my auntie has three kids um, so I'm currently with them now and then my other auntie she lives five minutes from the house that I'm at now and she also she has four kids so it kind of right. helps out a lot so they have company I can kind of go yeah exactly yeah I'd say though that you know for what is you 19 now I'd, 20. I'd say the, 20 go, going to New York for the first time at the age of 20 massively exciting for any young person but I'm sure the New York that you discovered the Albany you discovered an awful lot different to what you would have discovered in other times what's it like over there? Oh yeah definitely like when I when I first came out um, I, I came and stayed at my auntie's before I went to college for like three four weeks um hmm. And we actually we actually drove into the city just so I could have a look off it. And we were we were driving by Times Square and I'm not even joking, it was empty. Like there there was like ten people in Times Square. Wow. And like when like when I see things on Facebook and YouTube and so things like that, Times Square is absolutely packed. Like it was empty. It was dead. There there was like ten people in there. I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Denny, we wish you well. Um, you, you're very determined to succeed, and I know that you've got a huge following here locally. Your, your mom's been, yeah. been driving it big time for you. Denny's dream to, to succeed and all of that. And, and I think by the sound of you, you just can't wait to get back into it again. Yeah, like, Joe, the thing that's keeping me going most is the support from back home. It's been unbelievable. Like, mm. from people like I woke up Christmas morning and I had like 35 texts from people back home my mom's friends people who've heard the story on Facebook like it was like oh happy Christmas everyone's rooting for you back home 
And like mm. to wake up on Christmas morning and have those kind of messages, even from some people that I actually never talk to. So it's it's nice to wake up to because you know people are rooting for you. You know people are looking out at your story and they're following everything. So it kind yeah. of helps a lot. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in a few years' time when you're an international superstar and a regular on, on the Irish team, we'll remember where we spoke to you first, Danny. Well, I hope it turns out like that. I just need to take every step as it comes. I just need to focus on what, what I'm at now and then look into the next step as it comes. So well, that seems but, a good, sensible approach, and that seems to be what you're doing. We wish you well, mate. We wish you well. What's your buddy's name? He's heading back out there next week. Um, Evan O'Leary. He's from Cove. Evan. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, All so. right. Listen, Danny. Uh, well done, and, and keep up the keep up the faith, and uh, and go, we'll talk again soon. Take care of yourself. That's Danny Gibson. He's on a soccer scholarship, led from Mayfield, on a soccer scholarship in the United States. All kind of thrown up in a heap by the pandemic but he's got good support he's got aunties over there and friends and cousins and stuff so he's got good support uh, but he's getting stuck in and that's all he wants to do is go to America study in college and be a professional soccer player and he'll get there you know with the sound of him he just has this determination to keep driving on 1850 just some news breaking there the Justice Minister Helen McEntee has issued, is it a tweet, lads, or a tweet? Yeah. I was recently tested. I have got a positive result for COVID-19. In line with HSE guidance, I'm isolating. I'm continuing to carry out my duties by working remotely, including attending Cabinet. The information the HSE has shows that pregnant women, of course, Helen is pregnant, pregnant women or their babies are not at higher risk if we get covid at the same time, I urge everyone to follow public health advice and stay at home. If you think you're developing symptoms, no matter how slight, act as though you have COVID. We all know the seriousness of the situation. We must protect our health system and our most vulnerable. That's a Twitter statement released uh, this morning by Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice. 1850 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Whole bunch of texts and messages coming in on all the various platforms. Hard to keep up with them. Good to see them, though. We'll get as many of them out as we can. Happy birthday to Rachel Kyohan from mother and father-in-law from all the family. She normally has a great time on Women's Christmas, which is on her birthday, but today she can't, so we're thinking of her. And as well as that, happy birthday to a good friend of the Opinion Line who has a roundy birthday either today or yesterday. Uh, definitely a roundy birthday this week. That's Stephen Teep. Uh, so happy birthday to you, Stephen. 1850, roundy, mean it has a knot in it, so we won't say it, or will we? Will we? I won't. No, we won't. No, he was upset enough about turning that age. We won't mention it, but happy birthday to Stephen. 1850-715-996. I mentioned at the top of the programme, and indeed many times since, that there is a record number of people with COVID-19 in the hospital system this morning. The last high, the all-time high up to today, was from the 15th of April, when there were 881 
people in hospital with COVID-19 and the complications of COVID-19. Now, that, of course, would include the cohorts that are in ICU. But the number today is 921 people in hospital, 921. And at the rate that people are being hospitalised, it's almost inevitable, I would suggest, that that will go over a 1,000. If not today, it'll go over a 1,000 into tomorrow, which is which is really, uh, really worrying. Also, data overnight from the HSE tells us there are 75 people in ICU uh, with the effects of COVID and that 42 of those people are on ventilators. Let's talk to someone who's been on the show with me before, Dr. Catherine Motherway, who's the former president of the Intensive Care Society of Ireland. Worrying times, Dr. Motherway. Good morning. Yes, indeed. They are, indeed, unfortunately. But let's hope, too, we have a vaccine. We just need to stop this in its tracks and then move on. I'll talk to you about the vaccine in in a sec because it does offer great hope and you're right and we've one at the moment we have a second one coming out in the next few days and hopefully three of them uh, well before the end of January and and that does bring hope and we should never let that that hope go but looking at the numbers the hospital numbers today it's it's a record since the pandemic began yes indeed it is and um, obviously this reflects the increased transmission of the community and the rapid uh, transmission, um, I think, probably related to our socialising over Christmas and potentially the new variant, um, which I understand is much more prevalent than had been previously thought. Yeah, they're saying 20 to 25 percent now mm-hmm. of the new cases are, are that new variant. Of those who are in ICU, who are the people that you deal with on a day-to-day basis? That number is increasing at a worrying rate, putting huge pressure on the ICU system. Can it cope, Catherine? Well, as I said to everybody, the ICUs will cope to a point, but if viral transmission remains um, rampant in the community, then they won't cope, obviously. I mean, there is no healthcare system that can cope with unmitigated viral transmission of a disease in an entire population to which we're all susceptible. So we know that if we control the transmission in the community, the hospital systems will be able to manage and cope. Now, at the moment, the hospital systems have had to cancel elective surgery. And that is that is not coping, actually, because we're not actually elective surgery to people that need it. They will be deferred. They'll get it eventually when we sort this out. But we've already taken steps to change our activity to cope with the surge in cases. And um, that is, you know, very, you know, for people waiting for operations in their knees and their hips and their hearts and stuff like that, that's really difficult. We're going to continue time critical surgery. Determined elective surgery has been cancelled. But people mm. have waited a long time for those. And that's yeah. in our very unfortunate development, but a necessary one and one that we're going to do. Yeah, and if you need a hip or a knee, you need it, and 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 you were supposed to have it, and yep. you'd be desperately disappointed mm-hmm. and in pain that you, that that you missed it. You in in terms of of fatality, uh, that we have to talk about it. I think in the first wave of this, Catherine, uh, it was about twenty percent of those who went into ICU unfortunately didn't make it out the other side. Is that is that still the, the Irish same court? Level? Yeah, yeah, and um, at, in the first wave, that has changed somewhat. We think, but that may be because we're we're getting less of the patients who come into hospital because of the treatments. I think we're seeing people who are older and who are failing the steroids on the wards. So I think a number of people are now escaping coming to ICU in a sense. Yeah. So we're seeing um, 
you know, I think it, in the second wave, it was 9% of the hospitalised patients were admitted to intensive care. So the patients we saw in the second wave were older and had slightly more comorbidities and the recorded mortality is about 33%. And mortality is very from place to place and also depending on what pressure systems are on. So if you look at the United Kingdom's data, different ICUs had different mortalities and different regions had different mortalities because there was different stresses and strains on the ICUs in different parts of their that quite large population. So, I mean, in places where it surged, and had to use significant surge capacity. Mortality at the very beginning was very high. It came down somewhat with the new treatments. And so we may, work, we'll work this out over the course of, of um, I suppose, the next 12 months, and we'll see what they call standardized mortalities where you actually look at your mortality rate in relation to how old and sick a population is. So if you just miss routine people, you don't have a high mortality. If you miss really sick people, you'll have a higher mortality rate. So obviously what, what surge capacity hope. do we have in the system, Catherine? We hear it was 287 ICU beds, isn't it, nationally? Yep. And, and That is it. Well, we've only got a very small number of them left. Hmm? Yeah, well, two, well, about 40. So we have about 275 to 280 beds, which are now permanently funded. It was 255 beginning of the pandemic and now it's 280 roughly about 280 give or take and there is surge capacity well the society estimate at the time maybe about 350 i think paul reed mentioned a figure of 450 but to do that you have to we have space we have machines but you need people and those people are staff who are already working somewhere else in the healthcare system so Mm. then you have to divert those people the ventilator and take care of the patient some of those people would have worked in ICU before, but not all of them. Some will work in other areas like theatre, um, other parts of the hospital, where they'll have some yeah. transferable skill, but they'd need a lot of support in terms of minding the patients and dealing with the complexity of the patients. So yeah. surge capacity is a potential bed on an actual bed, and it only mm. becomes an actual bed if you get the people um, yeah. and take them away from somewhere else in the healthcare system. Because we talk sometimes a bit glibly about the number of beds, tens of beds here, hundreds of beds there, but we forget, don't we, that each bed requires a certain number of people in position around it. They require, well, a single bed in an ICU, in an open ICU, requires about six nurses, um, six double T's to run it. And if it's a single room, particularly with doffing and donning in the middle of a pandemic, it's probably nearer to eight nurses. And then add to that physiotherapy, ward attendants, cleaners. All of these are vital members of the team, the speech therapists, the other um, physicians and the doctors. It's a huge in terms of what you require. It takes an awful lot of men or women, seeing it's not like the, uh, the man, um, to run an ICU bed. And it's yeah. a very multidisciplinary team and every member um, is vitally important from the cleaners to the porters to the clerical people. Everybody is a yeah. big part of that team. 
do, do you remember at the start of all of this, we had the the, the call, the the call to arms, where where mm, we did, yeah. the then the then Taoiseach, um the Everardcare asked people to come home, and and I, I you know we were told that hundreds, if not thousands, had had gotten on planes and and gotten home to to, to work in the system. Did any of them mm. actually get jobs and come through into the system? I think a number did. No, I can't give you that information to tell you the truth, but I certainly know we have a lot more dead now than we did at the beginning. We have certainly, in locally in Limerick, and I can give you that information quite easily, we've now opened our 60-bed block and we needed them anyway in Limerick, let me tell you. Um, but we also have an additional four critical care beds fully staffed. Now, whether those staff came from the call to Ireland or whatever, I don't actually know. Um, but there was a call and there were staffs, and I'd say a lot of those people that they re-employed are probably were contact tracing. And I mean, there's an awful lot of resource going into dealing with this single disease in mm. terms of public health, GPs, um, you know, all of the things. I, I presume the social welfare department in terms of delivering yeah. pandemic unemployment payment, all of that's a huge amount of effort for yeah, the entire so country. At, at least some, some good seems to have come from it. But, but like you say, when you're pouring more resources into critical care, they've mm-hmm. got to come from somewhere and, uh, you know, yeah. it's only a matter of time before other services yeah. begin to Well, ultimately, we will have to expand our, ca- yeah. our critical care capacity and there is a plan now. There is a commitment. There is now political mm. commitment to this, okay. which, you know, might have taken a pandemic to cause, but we're very grateful. And there is a significant plan to build and permanently fund critical care capacity yeah. in this country, which was much underfunded at the outset. Yeah. There was a nightmare scenario, uh, Dr. Motherway, in, in Italy um, in yes. the first pan- wave of this pandemic where we had what you might call battlefield triage or you know eth- ethical decisions as to who got the bed, who got the ventilator, who had the chance of coming through and who did not. Those are horrible clinical decisions for anybody to have to make. Are we... Are we near that? Is there a danger we could get to that in Ireland? We're certainly not near that, but if we don't, as a population control viral emissions, yes, we will get there. We're no different to Italy. Now, yeah. now we're younger uh, as a population, but we have less beds than they had. So we won't get there if people stay at home, reduce their contacts, meet only people that they have to meet, Real care if they're living in a multi-generational home with their older and vulnerable relatives, some of whom are young actually, wash your hands and do all of the things you're being asked to do. That is what will stop anybody making horrible ethical decisions, which we have no interest in making if, 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 we, if we really don't want to go there. There yeah. is public yeah. Um, on this, but we actually don't want to get into that space, and the people of Ireland will stop us doing that because they've done it before. They'll do it again. Yeah. I watched an interview on, I think it was Sky News, with with an Italian doctor who yeah. found himself in that position, and, oh, and the tears flying down his face, and yeah. having to make those decisions. I would hate to think of anybody put in that position. Um, so would I. Thank you, and I don't want to be put in that position, and I don't want be, I want anybody to be put in that position, a particular patient. Um, I really don't. Thank you very much. And Look at we the... won't see if we control it. And yeah, and that's where I want to go. Done is done. Yeah, done now. Let, let's we've put, done put the, the Christmas, behind us and look for the next. Put that behind us. 
And yeah. the, the, the next five or six weeks are, are, are crucial and we know that there's more instruction coming from Cabin today. It yeah. certainly seems to be that the desire is there to get back to the deserted streets of early April 2020 where it was tumbleweed and a few essential cars. We need to go back there, don't we, Catherine, for a few weeks? I think we do, yes. Yeah, I do. Particularly, um, now I'm not a virologist, but what I read of this new variant does mean it is more transmissible. But the things that you do for the old one are still good for the new one. Keep your distance, wash your hands. They still work, but definitely, I think the way I read it in one of the UK things was you need to be more stringent in your lockdown things. You need to be more stringent in adhering to all of those guidelines. The one metre probably isn't enough. It has to be two. All of that stuff is really important. And the face mask wearing is also really important. And that, to be fair, people are doing very well at it, in my experience. Yeah. It's been very, very good at it. Well, they're certainly doing considerably better than they were, anyway, to say the very least. Yeah. All right, listen, thank you and your colleagues and your teams up and down the country f- for their service. And, and we know the efforts to which you are going to keep us safe and well. And it's up to us, I think, to, to do the best to help you. And Indeed. And the efforts that the public are making, please God. And indeed. it's all very difficult and everybody, but sure, we'll just keep at it. And the vaccine yeah. is there. Indeed, it is, and that's the exci- yeah. Let me, let me, that's the that is the exciting part, isn't it? That with a bit of luck a and a bit of good organisation and planning by Easter, with a combination of an effective lockdown and a vaccine rollout, we could be looking at a far brighter picture, could we not? Please God, yes. I take a, a good bit to vaccinate enough people, but if we get the most vulnerable done first, that be their concentration and um, and with supply and everything being sorted. And at mm. least I know that every vaccine that's coming into Ireland has been used, which is um, as, as it's being rolled out. Yeah. So Have you been vaccinated, gone. Catherine? Monday, yes. Monday. I was oh, very oh. grateful. Yeah, thank yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, Take care of yourself. Monday. All right. All right. Take care and thank you very much for your time today. That's uh, Dr. Okay. Catherine Motherway. She is the former president of the Intensive Care Society of Ireland. It is stark. It is bleak. They are not yet having to make those horrible decisions that doctors have had to make in, in Italy and they've had to make in parts of the UK and they've had to make in parts of America. They're not there yet. They don't ever want to go there. You don't want to put anybody in that kind of position that you have two people on stretchers or beds they both need ICU there's only one bed can you imagine being in that position as a clinician as a doctor as a nurse you have two people waiting needing intensive care and only one of them can get in there how do you make that decision how do you sleep the night you've had to make that decision 18, 18 we're not there yet according to Dr. Motherway and here's hoping against hope that we won't. 1850-715-996. Lots of comments still coming in on all of our various platforms. With regard to the Leaving Cert, Sonia says the Leaving Certs of 2021 can't possibly be expected to sit the same exam. They've missed three months to date. The last time they did an exam was fifth year Christmas. They must be very anxious at this stage. And Jen makes a point which is incredibly uh, worthwhile. Why is no one addressing the pressure that third level students are under? It's all about post-primary. Third level is online and they're left to their own devices. Some are on their final year. Delays going back to college until February again and out of college since March of next year. 
And on Heather, on the whole buying and non-essential and retail and click and collect and all of that, and we know what something's going to happen later today. We're fairly certain that click and collect is gone by the board. It'll be click and deliver now. But again, what is essential and what is non-essential? I, I don't have the clip to hand uh, of Damien English on, on non-essential, but we know what he said last year. Clothes are not essential. Do you remember that? Heather said, just wondering why you can't buy household items in shops. Why you can buy household items, but you can't buy essential clothes. I thought clothes would be more essential. Can you still do that? Can you still buy, say, pillowcases and bed linen and stuff like that and pots and pans, but not buy shorts and jeans and other such things? But that's the point that, that Heather is making. Going back to the PUP and, and tax being taken back off you, from PUP, which to be fair, we had people warning us on this program last year that that would happen and suggesting that maybe, look, if you're getting a PUP and it's more than you would usually be getting into the pocket of a week, put a Q-quit aside. Maybe some people did. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. But the PUP, they will be taxing it and they will be looking for that tax back. But uh, this comment came in. Hi PJ, listening to your conversation about some people will owe money to revenue. Please note, revenue cannot enforce hardship on anybody. If you do owe money, then revenue can reduce your tax credits over up to four years until the underpayment is paid back. Example, if you owe them a thousand euro, then your tax credits will be reduced by 250 euro per year. Your cutoff point as well will be reduced. Revenue will not demand full payment from anybody. If you have expenses, this could also be offset against your underpayment, which is good advice. So in other words, if you owe them a couple of grand, for a PUP back in tax they're not going to take it off you all in one go but they might well change your credits over the next number of years to to, to, to call it back in there's just loads and loads and loads and loads and stuff in and really really appreciating uh, to, to see them 1850-715-996 now there was a sketch I haven't seen this sketch I, I must be the last person living who hasn't but I haven't uh, I wasn't watching the show in question I, I can't abide those midnight shows on New Year's Eve they're just dreadful they're dreadful like, I, I can't abide them but this sketch this Waterford Whispers type sketch that caused such a palaver uh, that RTE have had to apologise for it uh, John O'Donovan says, I see Angus McGreena has apologised for his role in the sketch. In my opinion, that's not enough. He's an intelligent man, plugged into current affairs and surely knows about causing offence to all faith. I think someone signed off on this in RTE and has to lose their job and sanctions have to be applied against the others who took part. Uh, just whatever whispers were part of it. Uh, they were part of, of the sketch. Angus McGrena, who of course has left the RTE newsroom now, but he he played a part in it. As I said, I haven't seen it. I must go and look at it and see see the exact nature of the of the offence and and all of that. I, all, all I do know is that there was jokes in it to do with with rape, and I don't think that's okay at all. John is wondering: should there be sanctions? Should there be sackings? for the fact that it got to air. I think John also said during the week that, look, if this joke was aimed at, say, the Muslim community or the Jewish community or any other community like that, there would be uproar, uh, international, national uproar, but but not so much when it's, when it's the Catholic Church. That's your own, your own view, John. But if anyone has thoughts on that, it's not too old. It's not too old a subject. 
Um, eight, give us a call, 1850-715-996. Before I go to a break, and there is a, a book, one of my favourite books. I've been picking a copy of it up every year. Uh, when it comes out. One of my favourite books is back out again this month. Uh, the author coming up shortly. But I think the Twitter comment of the day, I love this. We talked to John Maher earlier on about dumping and bridges and other such pieces of furniture being dumped out in the countryside. PJ says, Francis Brady. Francie, I think you're about, I think you're a bad, bad man, but this is funny. PJ, it is a long way the Labour Party have fallen. John Maher condemning a fantastic local initiative of the Mayfield Dillon's Cross Community Fridge Association at a time when investment is badly needed across the city for more community fridges. Tongue very much in Francis' cheek. It's a book that normally comes out within days or weeks anyway of the budget. It's a bit later than that this year. Uh, joined, of course, by John Lowe, author of the Money Doctor book, which comes out around this time anyway every year. John, good morning to you. New Year to you and your listeners. And to you, John, thank you very much for joining me once again. The, the, the Big Yellow Book is out. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, I've had cause to consult it on a personal level more than once. It has and it will save people money. It's a mighty publication. Congratulations once again. Um, how, how up to date is it, John? It's bang up to date. You know, uh, PJ, I'm actually passionate about helping people to better manage their money. And this is an absolutely brilliant time of the year to really uh, get your finances in order. Uh, it's so important. Uh, and you start, by the way, with, with a budget plan, because I think it's so important to find out how much does it cost you to run your life on a monthly basis. And once you can do that, once you can determine that, it means that you can now plan. So if you imagine you have your income on one side and your expenditure on the other side, and you then have either a surplus or a deficit at the bottom, uh, and that uh, surplus means that you can plan. For instance, if part of the, the left-hand side income is child benefit, and it's 140 a month, a lot of families, in fact, 99% of families use the money as it was intended to help maintain the children. Uh, but some uh, kind of parents can actually save it. So if you actually manage to save that 140 every month from the time the child is born to the time it stops, which is on the 18th birthday, you'd have accumulated 28,560 euros. You are still 14,000 shy of sending that same child to third level. And that's why we need to plan because, you know, uh, I even have couples who come to me looking to, to, to find out can they actually afford to have a, a child or have a family. Yeah. Uh, so it, it is important. It is really important. Now, you update it every year following the budget uh, when it comes in. But I guess you couldn't publish it this year, John, without taking the effects of the pandemic into account. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, the pandemic, uh, unfortunately, has stopped everybody in the tracks. And there's a whole chapter, uh, PJ, on um, the actual PUP payments, EWSF payments, and the tax liability that might be there uh, when all these payments stop. And there's a real problem that, um, you know, uh, these payments are, are not being taxed. And it was like a bit of a yo-yo last year where they stopped, started, reduced, came in again, and now they're back up to, what, 350. Um, and, and for the EWSS, it's, a, it's, it's up to, you know, again, 350, 300 there as well. But mm. they're going to stop at some stage in the future. And when they do stop, uh, revenue is going to look for their money back that, that should have been taxed. 
Um, people would be very nervous to hear you say that, John. So, so like ordinary people who've been just getting three hundred and fifty quid into their hands, which might be more than they were ordin- they were getting before yeah. the pandemic, they'll be nervous about the prospect of getting a hefty tax bill. Well, there's two things to that. Number one, it's not a whole heap, PJ. If you get, um, as I said, uh, you know, uh, the three hundred and fifty euros, and you uh, from the start of the year to the end of the year, you've only accumulated eighteen thousand two hundred. Now, that means that you virtually have no income tax on that. But you do have PSI, because that's at 4%, and you do have universal social charge, because once you're earning over 13000 in a year, you're eligible to pay this uh, universal social charge tax. However, the good news, and uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, you know, being in, in, in the 2021 year um, that, that we are in, uh, is that revenue are going to allow... Uh, people who do have that tax liability, however big or small, and spread it over a four-year by reducing their tax credits. Hmm. So, yeah. Go ahead. So I, I was going to say, it's, 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 while it's a, a liability, I mean, some of the employers who get the EWSS, some of those employers actually are deducting the tax and then giving it to their staff, giving it to their uh, employees. So... Uh, but even for those who are on just straight public payments, um, there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a, a big deal. It won't be a huge amount of money. It could be, a, 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 you know, a thousand, a couple of thousands, but that would be spread over five years, four years. Okay. Yeah. You mentioned USC there. Um, I, I come to the conclusion a long time ago, John, that, that, that we're stuck with that till we're all much older and much greyer. Are we? Yeah, unfortunately, this is meant to be one big giant uh, deduction and PSI was meant to be incorporated into it. Uh, they forgot about it. It's, it's like everything. It's like, it's like the, the auto-enrollment PJ for pensions. You know, uh, 20 years ago, they were talking about that. We have a huge problem uh, with pensions because, you know, um, we've got something like 680,000 people who are over the age of 66. In less than 30 years' time, we'll have uh, three times that amount of people who are, have retired, that's you know, 1.8 million or something. But last year, for every person who retired, there were five workers. In 30 years' time, there'd be two. So the government simply won't have the money um, to actually pay. And that's why auto enrollment was, was, should have been brought in. And, and they keep kicking it into touch. I mean, it was meant to be brought in 2020. It's now was, then was deferred two years to 2022. The latest now, it's been deferred to 2023. And the reason for that is IBEC, who are the employer union, they, they don't want to you know, have their employers have to pay money for the staff. The employee uh, unions, the SIP2 and so forth, they don't want because the, the employees don't t- care about the future. And the politicians only want your votes. Just don't want. Yeah. So, so they're yeah. quite all quite happy to let it keep rolling on, you know. And indeed, there's, there's there's chapters every year in the book about how to start a pension, how to manage a pension, how to try to afford a pension. You you updated with the law on everything, literally from pensions to, to wills, John. Um, and how many years is is the book coming out now? Well, it's the 16th edition, and uh, this is the first time, though, Peter, that I'm publishing it and uh, uh, distributing it myself. Believe it or not. And it's fantastic. I mean, I'm not, you know, denigrating any publishers. Um, they do a fantastic job. But they have lots of books that they have to try and promote in markets. Uh, when you just, you know, got your own book and you don't care about any other book and you can put 100% effort into it, it's a much easier option. Hmm. 
Well, as I say to you, I, I've been endorsing this and we have you on every year. I've been endorsing this to my listeners for years and years because I had to consult it personally more than once over the years. And it will put you right and it will save you money if you need saving money, Sam John. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as I said, um, if, again, if any of your listeners uh, want a budget plan or spreadsheet, I mean, this is a very, very simple um, uh, document. It's easy to operate, simple to understand. It talks itself up, PJ. So um, if they want to write to me, I'll give that to them for free. Uh, and that'll start, that'll start them and it, it, the right time of the year as well, I might add, uh, where, where they can find out, have they got that surplus? And if you have a deficit, by the way, uh, at the end of your uh, expenditure. Uh, and, and again, just to give you an idea, this is a monthly thing. So if you have a, a you know, a TV license is 160 euro. So you'll put 13 euros, 33 cents in that space there. And that means that you don't have to worry when that TV license come in, comes in because you have provided for it from your income. So anyway, you come down to the deficit, which is at the bottom. Uh, you've got two choices. You've got to earn more or, or cut costs. But you've got a third choice as well. And that third choice is you prioritize. And that's why people say, in fact, 300,000 people over the last five years stopped paying their health insurance. They couldn't afford it. Yeah, yeah. And that's an unfortunate situation for anyone to be in as well. John, I will, I will leave it there. Um, I look forward to, to, to having a good read through it myself. But it's, 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 it's good to have you on the opinion line once again. I have no doubt we'll chat again during the year. Thank you very much and happy new year again. Cheers. That's John Lowe, the Money Doctor. The Money Doctor Guide is out now um, through all the usual outlets and moneydoctors.ie is John's website. Some breaking news from the North, BBC, uh, Northern Ireland, reporting that A-levels in the North will not go ahead this year. So the call to cancel the leave insert might need to be heeded. The A-levels in the North won't be going ahead this year. A few comments in on the sketch. The sketch about God and Mary was crass, blasphemous, and our nationally funded station must issue an apology and remove this offending piece immediately, says Teresa. John is right. RT would not have disrespected the Muslim or Jewish or any other faith. It's okay to do it to Catholics. The sketch was disgusting, not only the disrespect of the Catholic faith, but making a joke about rape. That was the thing that I picked up on over the weekend that you know joking about rape is it's never is never okay rory says pj how disgusting is it that our national broadcaster who we support with a tv license thinks it's okay to make jokes about rape and kevin says i didn't see it i wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for the bishop i'd be amazed if anyone at rte would have seen it wouldn't it have been given to a separate company to produce i might be wrong then again i don't want comedy censored ever if it's not funny then don't watch and don't buy a ticket, which is another way of looking at it. Thank you, Kev. That's it for today. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Uh, Wayne Hilton back at base on the desk. Thank you. Your podcast will be available just after two this afternoon. You repeat it in the early hours. Look after yourselves. Stay safe, keep your distance, wear your mask, and stay at home. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.